Greetings and welcome to the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is a long-form podcast where I sit down with guests and we just have a conversation. Now, these conversations are not scripted. They are raw and real. There's no editing. So wherever they go, they go. So hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversations as much as I know that I will. This episode is brought to us by Mike the Strongman. Are you tired of getting your training and nutrition advice from someone with only a weekend certification? Then perhaps it's time to turn to someone with over 15 years of research-based experience. Mike the Strongman can help you with all your training and nutrition needs. Mike has a proven track record of getting results with his clients. Visit MikeTheStrongMan.com for more information or email Mike at MikeTheStrongMan at gmail.com if you're ready to take your performance to the next level. This episode is also brought to us by the Healthiest You Chiropractic Center. The Healthiest You Chiropractic Center in Strongsville, Ohio is dedicated to giving their patient community the highest level of healthcare. Their doctors have been trained on the newest and most innovative styles of chiropractic and rehabilitative treatments. From back pain to ankle strains, the Healthiest You has remedies for a variety of injuries. Are you looking to perform better in life and activity? Their team takes a wellness-based approach on health rather than only focusing on symptoms such as pain. Call 440-238-3338 or email them at thychiro, that's T-H-Y-C-H-I-R-O, at gmail.com for questions about becoming a patient. Now is a better time than ever to become the healthiest you. And last but not least, this episode is brought to us by CrossFit Strongsville. CrossFit Strongsville is a place where everyday people become heroes every day. Through qualified coaching, challenging yet modifiable exercise programming, and a supportive community unlike any other, members find a way to break through personal barriers physically, mentally, and emotionally. No matter what level you're at, from the very beginner to the elite, you'll find you receive great service from the moment you walk through the door, and we promise it will be one of the best hours of your day. Check out CrossFitStrongsville.com for more information and to sign up for a free one-on-one consultation with the owner, a 12-year veteran of the fitness and therapy fields. Okay, folks, our guest today is my good friend and teammate, Caitlin Ruther. I'm very excited to have Caitlin on the podcast today. She has a very interesting background that I can't wait to dig into it. Caitlin was homeschooled all the way through high school, and she was active in sports growing up, playing a handful of different sports such as soccer and being on the swim team. She was also active in horseback riding and the speech and debate team through high school. Caitlin has always been active in her church and went to college to study youth ministries. She got her start coaching during her senior year of college when her coach asked her to be the player slash manager of the JV soccer team. After college, Caitlin got a job coaching soccer camps for kids and this opportunity took her overseas to Ireland and she was able to live over there coaching for a few years. She played football, or soccer, for those of us here in the States, with a local club team for fun while she was in Ireland. She started Olympic weightlifting over there because she was looking for a new challenge physically. And now she competes in and coaches weightlifting here in the States. She's currently coaching out of a CrossFit gym in Northeast Ohio. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I hope that you do too. So sit back, strap in, and enjoy our conversation. Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hess, and today we have with us Caitlin Ruther. Caitlin, how are we doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Matt? I'm doing very well. So Caitlin is a teammate of mine on my weightlifting team, and uh, I wanted to get together and talk about some of the background that you've had with your lifting and some other sports. 
because it's uh, it's been very fascinating to kind of find out a little bit more about you. So I'm quite excited to actually sit down and have just a one-on-one conversation when we're not at the gym or just hanging out with everybody and doing all that kind of stuff. So thank you very much for coming over. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. So let's let's just get started kind of right in the beginning a little bit of I maybe mean, how you grew up a little bit, sports you played, just kind of what developed you into get, like getting into lifting later in life. Sure. Um, so I was homeschooled actually, which is a slightly different sort of background to most people. And, um, no, I did not do school in my pajamas. That was not allowed. Um, but it did give us a lot more, uh, free time, you know, in the afternoons, we'd spend a lot of time outside. As soon as we got schoolwork done, we were outside playing very active as, as kids, uh, me and my brother. Was it just the two of you? Uh, until uh, we adopted my younger brother and sister. So okay. there's four of us now. But okay. mainly for me growing up, it was just my other brother. Now, is he older or younger? I'm the oldest. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. So So was, was that something that you enjoyed growing up? Or were you like, I don't want to say jealous maybe of your friends who were in public school? And just, I mean, we, we always kind of want what we, what we don't have, right? That's this kind of a normal thing in life. So was it was being homeschooled something you look back on now and like really appreciate it or would you really hate going through it or how'd you feel about it at the time? I actually really appreciated it. Okay. Uh, I don't know that I missed out on a lot of things. Uh, we were involved in a homeschool co-op, so we hung out with other homeschool kids. Okay. It wasn't just me and my brother doing stuff. Okay. Um, had a lot of other uh, great adults pour into our lives as far as like teaching, you know, more specific subjects. Like we had a, a guy that was a chemist teach our chemistry class and um, people that were gifted in different areas, you know, come and, and teach those things. So how often did you see those kind of teachers? Usually once a week. Okay. Yeah. So normally four days a week, you get up, you go into your, I assume you had a classroom yes, set up in your room. The school room. Exactly. So you can decompartmentalize everything and mm-hmm. you can kind of just go and you do your work. And when you're done, hey, then we can go do our normal stuff and just have fun. So so you do that four times a week probably. And then mm-hmm. once a week, you get together with other kids, socialize a little bit, get to see everybody else, work with different teachers. So you get different you know methods and learn to deal with different personalities of teachers and whatnot. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. And was that all through like elementary, junior high, high school, everything? I went all the way through high school, yes. As, as homeschooled? Yeah, uh, homeschooled. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, do your parents ever tell you why they did that? Was that a decision that they had made or? Yes. Uh, actually, um, my mom talked about it quite a lot that she felt called by God to homeschool us. Okay. Uh, she wanted to have an influence as a parent on our education, and we didn't live in a great school district, um, so some quality of education and then just a lot of desire to, to influence her kids and to have that role um, as a mom and as a teacher. That's awesome, because unfortunately nowadays it seems like most parents just check out, and they want other people to raise their kids. Mm-hmm. They expect their electronics to raise the kids and they put them on iPads as soon as they're old enough to crawl so they can just shut up so I can play on my phone. I want to get on Facebook and Instagram and the Tweety Birdie machine and and all this stupid shit and I want to see. Yeah. As a, as a coach and then I I taught PE for a little while and then even just involved in church, it's the same way. People just drop their kids off at church and it's like, here, go learn about God. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's kind of how that works in in every facet of people's lives. It seems like most parents want to you know, the schools to raise their kids instead of them raising their kids. Mm-hmm. 
it's like school is a necessary evil, I guess, to get people, you know, normally educated and to understand that they need to pursue other things in life and have a general balance as human beings, interact with other people and to deal with authority. And there's lots of good things we can learn from it. But I just, I get so frustrated nowadays when like my daughter, she's in high school and, and she, she takes these stupid standardized tests and that's all they do is like, so they're, they study for the test and then they take the test and then they party after they take the test and they have a couple of weeks where they screw around and then they start studying for the test and then they take the test. Yeah. They just, that's their cycle. Like, what are you, what are you learning? What are you yeah, when's doing? Yeah. the time spent like, actually learning? Yeah. The, like the stop memorizing this crap to pass a test. Like it's irrelevant. Like how about we actually learn how to be humans? And think and l- actually learn about history or art or science and math and these kind of things instead of just, oh, let's just memorize this and so we can pass a test and then our school will get funding and life is good and we can have a pizza party. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of ridiculous. It's, it's frustrating. I have a lot of friends that are teachers and they find it super frustrating and it's definitely a downfall of our school system that whole structure and things. Um, I wouldn't say homeschooling's for everyone. You know, I'm very grateful for. Unfortunately, most yeah. people probably don't have the patience. To deal with their kids. Or or the gifting. I think it is really a gift to be able to teach. I I don't know about that. I mean, certainly some people can be better at it than others. So yeah. maybe, maybe that it can be gifting, but certainly anybody can learn. You yeah, you can you can definitely learn. And <laughs> my mom said she learned algebra three different times. Um uh, yes. And, not, nothing wrong with that. And the, that would she would not say that was her strength, but she you know, that was something that she invested in and um, yeah, hugely grateful to my parents for the investment that they put in my education. That's very cool. That's that's something that I definitely believe in. I think that a lot of kids should be homeschooled, especially in their younger years, mm-hmm. to kind of form who they are. But then I also believe that kids should probably go to a high school and interact with other people and deal with all the bullshit that is high school. <laughs> Maybe not junior high. That's, that's a pretty bad age. It's to brutal. Be. It's just, it's, People are just ruthless at that age. Your hormones are starting to come out. Everyone's starting to date, and you're doing those kind of things, and things things get bad. But I definitely think that kids should be in high school with other kids. But mostly that's because I'm into sports. Yes. So I want the kids to be able to play sports. But that's you know that's just again <laughs> kind of yeah. how I look at it. So yeah, and and that was one thing that that was maybe a little bit that we missed out on uh, as far as sports involvement. Uh, we played soccer growing up, the YMCA, just, you know, my dad played soccer. Just local community local leagues. Local community but That's stuff. how most kids learn to play sports, mm-hmm. and like the t-ball leagues and soccer or flag football or any of that kind of stuff. Of course, now, Christ, they have kids playing tackle football in like third and fourth grade. <laughs> and like, what are you doing? Like, you're ruining these kids for later in life. Like, how about we minimize the brain damage they're going to yeah. have? Yeah. Let's pull back on that a little bit. Um, yeah. Like, so, no, but you got to start them young. Like, no, you don't, people. I don't just specialize. I didn't soon. play football until freaking freshman year of high school. <laughs> and guess what? I played varsity as a sophomore. So we're fine. We can figure mm-hmm. this stuff out. <laughs> yeah. So, so sports growing up then. So you played the community stuff, mostly soccer. Mm-hmm. Any, yeah. Anything else you got into? Uh, my dad made us join the swim team. Okay. So uh, learn how to not drown in water. Good idea. Very, very important. Uh Really loved that. Uh, I did not want to do it at first, uh, but my dad was like, you have to try us. No, why didn't you want to do it at first? I don't know. My brother and I just decided we didn't like the idea. Oh, I don't like the idea of not drowning when I get in water. Why wouldn't I like that? <laughs> so, How old were you when that happened? Uh, I was 
12. Okay, it's a little bit older. A little bit older, yeah. So we had we had taken swim lessons all growing up. So okay. it wasn't that we didn't know how to swim, uh, but my dad just knew that there's a difference between passing uh, Red Cross level seven and being able to actually swim yeah, efficiently. Yeah, and, you know, compete against other people and do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So we joined um, the country club summer swim team, and then that led to us also joining Tiger Sharks, which is um, Calga Falls YMCA's team. And then my brother actually went on to swim in college. He just took to it like a fish to water, I guess. So he just, he liked it. That was kind of his sport. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, some people, they just, they, they love it and they get into it. I, I was I, mean, I was doing swim lessons since I could walk, essentially. Like my parents wanted us in the pool and that's what, so as soon as we were big enough to go, they took us to the pool and we were doing all the swim lessons and everything. And then we got in the swim team pretty young. Yep. But for me, I got out of it because it got in the way of baseball. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it was like, I had to choose. Like it's one or the other. They're both summer sports. So it's okay. I'll just play baseball. Yeah, and that was kind of, I had to choose, well, I didn't really, yeah, I kind of had to choose once I got to high school. Um, For one thing, all my friends that were swimming on the YMCA team were then practicing with their high school. Yeah. So then I was training with all these little kids, and that was getting boring. Yeah. And then um, I was also involved in competitive speech and debate uh, through our homeschool group. So that was actually a huge time commitment. So to try to balance the swimming and the speech and debate just was not working. That kind of stuff happens because so. uh, when you get into more activities, you have to kind of narrow down your focus. But that's the idea of getting kids involved with a bunch of stuff to find out what they like. Exactly. And I think a lot of parents nowadays, they stick their kids into something they think they're going to be, you know, college athletes and get scholarships and all these <laughs> kind of things. Like, no, people, let them just be kids. Let them have fun because the likelihood of them actually going to college to play a sport is very low. Yeah, let alone get a scholarship for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless you want to go to some you know D4 school where there are no scholarships, you just want to play because it's essentially just high school sports because mm-hmm. they don't have enough people to play on the teams. Yeah. But that, that kind of is what it is. So the speech and debate, uh, how did that all work with the homeschool stuff? Is it the same kind of co-op with all the other homeschool kids or did you compete against other high schools or how'd that work? It was a national homeschool league. Okay. So it was homeschoolers from all around the U.S. uh, competed. Um, So I went to nationals one year, and then we actually changed, I guess, federations or organizations we competed in. And that one was a little bit more kind of Midwest organized, so there wasn't a nationals after that. Okay. And uh, more like a regional. Yeah, that one. That one ended up being more regional competitions. Um, But I did team policy debate. So you, I had a partner, and we debated trade policy in the Middle East and Africa. That was okay. one of the resolutions one year. Uh, we did uh, developmental aid to Colombia and a couple other South American countries. I can't remember, Argentina and something or else. Um, so you, you learned a lot about kind of really random topics. Um, but the point was that we could debate something that wasn't necessarily um, – a moral issue or a, like an ethical issue that people would have a hard time being on the other side of because you had to debate both sides. Yes. Um, so they gave a, a more n- sort of neutral uh, topic for you to build your case on. And then um, you learned how to research, how to reason, how to um, respond. And debate rounds lasted about an hour and a half, I think. So you each teammate would give a, an eight-minute speech You'd have cross-examination, which was always a lot of fun because you get to 
kind of tear apart the argument. Yeah, a tear, bit. tear them apart while they're standing there. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then you had rebuttals at the end, so those were five minute concluding speeches that each okay. person gave. Now, how did the whole system work then? Did, did did you show up to one of these competitions and they give you something to work with, and you have you know twenty minutes to game plan, and then you just jump right in, or how does it all work? You had a, a resolution for the year that okay. you would then build a case out of. So that's where your research and everything else kind of started. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you had to know the topic itself really well, just broadly, because you could face cases that varied within that that resolution. And then you had to know your own case really well, both forwards and backwards, to, to know how to support that when people... So I'm trying to think of one what one of mine was gosh that was a long time ago <laughs> it's not that um, long ago <laughs> <laughs> okay so we were gonna um get rid of the export import bank for one of our cases and so we had to know like what it was and how what were the advantages of getting rid of it you know to build our case on like what reason could we give the judge for them to side with us and then what disadvantages the other team might come up with and then we had to so then if we were an opposing team, we would have to know what the Export-Import Bank was and why we should keep it. Or, you know, you had to, once once you got into the season, you kind of realized there were usually maybe five different cases that most people had. Okay. And then you could focus a little more of your research. But I learned how to use Google really, really well. So your Google Foo is very strong then? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my Google Foo is not very strong. Because <laughs> I've, I've got a friend at work who's very much into technology and we've actually been uh, going back and forth about doing a technology 101 podcast, but he's so busy with everything. I'm so busy with everything. It's I don't know when we're going to fit it all in unless we do it like on a lunch break at the office, but that's going to be tough because we have to get all set up and try to yeah, do it in like a half yeah. an hour and then tear down and do all that kind of stuff. So I'm not sure when that's going to happen, but it's going to be happening sometime soon. There you go. That's, because that's he, because he talks about that all the time. He's like, you need to learn how to use Google. Like, I mean, you go Google, just ask it things, and it tells you things. Like, no, it's like you gotta learn how to search things. You gotta yeah. learn how it works and what to look for, what not to look for. I don't even know what he's talking about. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, but I, learning how to research is a very valuable skill for you know. I, I feel like it helped me a lot uh, leading up to college, which know, makes but, sense. That's a lot of research. Yep. So getting into that, learning how to find things, um, learning both sides of an argument, you know, looking at things objectively and um, weighing pros and cons, being able to then articulate passionately, but without um, getting too emotional about different things, you know, like um, not, not letting your, your emotions take control when you were, you know, cross-examining someone, not being mean to them, you know, but um, being polite and firm and, and making your, your case known and, politely and correctly tearing them down when they were wrong <laughs> so a lot of a lot of really great skills from that i uh so did you do that all through high school then i i started before high school actually okay um and then we we did uh speech events as well so i did dramatic interpretation um i wrote a few of my own speeches and delivered those and then i did a few impromptu events so those would be ones where you would receive a topic right then and there okay have my, like three minutes to prepare a speech and then just wing off the and hill. then just go for it so uh i was really shy growing up and it was painful to start with speech and debate well i think a lot of people feel that way i mean you hear st- studies all the time or statistics where people talk about more people are afraid of you know dying 
than yeah. they are of like or, or public speaking they are of actual death itself yes, which yes. Right, which is which is hilarious because it's like first of all it's like you don't have to ever talk in front of people if you don't want to I, that's but you're just, definitely going to die at some point. Yeah, it's like we're all going to die. There's nothing we can do about that. And people don't want to think about it because like, oh, I, just, I have my little space and everything is good. Like, no, it's – this is a, a short, brief moment and make the most of it you can because eventually you're going to be, you know, food for worms. Ex- except for, you know, we preserve our bodies and we don't get to do that anymore. <laughs> we don't actually just <laughs> decompose naturally, which is – actually they say is actually messing up some of the cycles oh. inside the earth. But it, it is what it is. I'm not <laughs> – Informed enough to actually talk about that intelligently. But I remember having a speech class in high school. I think it was my senior year. And I was so nervous. And I had these nervous tics. And I said like and um and all these kind of things like so many times. Because mm-hmm. you're so worried about what other people think of you. And you don't realize that they don't give a shit. <laughs> they, like, they just don't care. Like All they're worried about is what you think of them. So... Well, I mean, I I care now because I know what I'm looking for. So it really bugs me when I hear a public speaker that that has the verbal pauses and all that. But yeah, but it's like anything else. It's a learned skill. It is. You have to just do a bunch of, and mm-hmm. then once you kind of get that figured out, you kind of get your style, you get into a flow, and you, once you stop being nervous about it, then you'll actually do a pretty good job, I think. Yeah, and I think it's it was great to start as kids, and there was you know a lot less pressure. It's not like my job depended on it. Yeah. You know, I wasn't having to learn it in a workspace or that sort of thing. So so do you think that helped you maybe come out of your shell a little bit and stop being so shy and nervous around people or? Yes, I would say it did. Now, now the big question with that is, is did it change your personality? Did it change who you are or did it just help you be more comfortable with who you are? I don't think it changed who I am. I'm still a fairly quiet, sort of more introverted person, but I would say I'm a lot more confident in handling myself in larger group situations okay. or in front of people. I've had to do a lot of presentations um, in front of churches and uh, schools and different places. Okay. So. What about the impromptu stuff? When you don't have the time to prepare and research and get yourself ready, are you comfortable doing that? I still don't like impromptu events, um, but that would be probably part of my personality too. Okay. As I like to be very prepared for things. Okay. Because, I mean, a lot of people can have these big events in their lives. And it can actually shape their actual personality. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, more of that happens with traumatic kind of things like uh, car accidents, family deaths, mm. um, big events like that. Uh, I remember hearing a talk one time from this gentleman who was like a very quiet, reserved, uh, people pleaser. Um, a lot of people call them either phlegmatic or a... Uh, As, no, an S uh, personality from the from yep. the from, from the, the disc from the, from the disc from mm-hmm. Doctor Robert Rome. Sensing, I think. I for, forget. Um, I, I I tend to go with choleric. You know. Um, wow, I'm blanking. Uh, sanguine, phlegmatic, and melancholy is typ- oh, okay. typically the ones that I hear most with the talks and stuff that I listen to. Yeah. That, that's from Personality Plus from Florence Litauer, but. This gentleman was like it was a sanguine, so a sensing type, um, or a phlegmatic, excuse me, so yeah. a sensing type, an S, an S personality. So you know, very reserved but people oriented. And his, um, I don't know if his dad died or some, something happened where his mom 
remarried or got together with this other guy who was very much a cleric. So like the driving, demanding doer, the, mm. the, the D-type personality. And, and he literally had to cope by creating a split personality almost. So where he became like his opposite. He became more cleric because he had to be able to deal with what was happening. Mm. It, it was it was interesting to hear him talk about it. he's like yeah it's like normally when you're an opposite like that you don't normally have like your secondary you know personality to be you know the exact opposite of what you are typically it's like one that's connected on the disc model if, it's, yeah. if you look at it like a quadrant mm-hmm. it's usually not opposite it's like one that's above or to, to the side of you and it was, it was it was interesting to hear him say that so i i wonder like how much of that being in the speech and debate and having to put yourself out there to to be vulnerable like that in front of other people, how much that's really influenced your personality. Obviously, you've kept your main personality, but it's hopefully shaped who you are for the better. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that I have a, a huge drive to help people and to, to help them develop and being able to communicate more clearly and um, whether it's to large or small groups of people and having that self-confidence m- enables me to do that in a lot of ways that I probably wouldn't have been able to do if I had stayed a very shy, reserved sort of person. Yeah, no, I I can definitely see that. That's interesting. Okay, so you started that before high school, probably seventh, eighth grade ish, Mm -hmm. I would assume. So did that all through high school. You said, yeah, yeah, kind of pick between swimming and that. Yep. And obviously you picked that, so Mm -hmm. that's fine. Um, What else did you get into, like in the junior high, high school? Oh, gosh. Um... I was I was involved in my church, um, so I went to youth group and and hung out with friends there. Uh, we did some camping trips and uh, work like service projects all through places. all through the church. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, very involved with like our family is pretty tight, so we we would do a lot of family activities, a lot of hiking. Um, we live in Northeast Ohio, which is we're blessed to have lots of great hiking trails around here. Um, so I've always kept up with that uh but yeah mainly school and speech and debate and okay and then you uh we're still playing soccer right uh actually the league stopped when you turned 14 so i had to stop playing soccer okay so no more soccer so no more soccer okay and then this is all again in the homeschool leagues those kind of things because you weren't in a high school somewhere so you weren't on like a volleyball team or anything like that or with like the normal kind of sports you play like in in high school yeah i i wanted to play volleyball and so i did a volleyball class with our homeschool group just so i could play volleyball okay like, so, I, so like I you taught, created it i taught the class in <laughs> high school yeah <laughs> and that meant i had to go to the library and get books about volleyball because i didn't really know that much um but yeah so we were like okay well let's do volleyball and none of the moms knew how to do anything so I was like, so did yeah. you create your own league then or did you just play games no or? we just played like the um, high schoolers that were at that church there was a gym upstairs that we m- met in so we were able to use that okay i think it was just for a year or a semester or something like that well that's kind of fun though yeah you wanted to do it so you just took it upon yourself say hey we're gonna do it and- which is one of the one like great things about homeschooling is is parents tend to encourage their kids at what they're passionate about yeah but that's also not something that a shy person does so so that that's no. kind of reaching outside of yourself, which is a pretty amazing thing to do at such a young age because most people don't really kind of get 
comfortable enough with themselves to reach outside their own personalities until later in life. Once they start to realize that, oh, this is just who I am. It doesn't have to define everything I do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I actually get to make decisions. I don't have to be held hostage <laughs> by my personality. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Any other kind of things you got into like that that you wanted to do? So you just kind of created it on your own? Um. Well, my like my senior year, I had to do another, like the state of Ohio requires like a certain number of literature credits or, you know, science credits or whatever. And okay. Well, you don't get those for your normal classes or? Uh, well, we create, like, it depends on how you want to do homeschooling, but my mom created a lot of her own curriculum. So like you had to do four years of, of English okay. if you like. So, but they don't tell you what those have to be. Now, most people will do. Uh, American literature, English literature. Um, I can't remember what the other ones were. But um, so like senior year, I was like, well, I want to read these different classic books. Mom's like, great. We'll make it a world literature class. You just pick a bunch of different classic literature. You know, it wasn't like I was picking the latest teen paperbacks. Yeah, but um, it's, it's good to read the classics, I think, when you're when you're younger like that. Gives you a better sense of the world. Yeah, so I I picked a, a a bunch of a variety of different ones and had to write a paper on each one, and that's how we decided to do my English credit for senior year. Okay, um, I needed another science credit one year. I was very much into horses. We found a, a correspondence course about equine science, so that's what I did for okay. one of my sciences. Okay, now explain that. I don't know what that is. A correspondence course. Um, so they sent materials to our house, and then I completed the work and did different tests, and then would send them back to be graded. Okay, so this is like a state organization. Um, or? I don't, I don't remember exactly what sort of organization okay. like, did it, as far as like offered it, or you didn't get like a certificate necessarily when you were done, but it was you know like my mom didn't know anything about you know horse diseases or like. Okay. Parts of horses. So you were just studying things. horses in general, not yeah. not like equine therapy or anything like that. Uh, no, it was more of like different breeds and okay, um, like different ailments. So so, so just like a to... general studies kind of class. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So stuff like that is is things that you can do when you have you know the flexibility of homeschooling that yeah you know you. You find something that works, something that interests you, that you can go ahead and and you're learning in this case, as you were talking about earlier, yeah. not just let me study for this. Yeah, test here's the test. <laughs> this stuff's gonna be on the test. Write this down. Memorize this. This is gonna be on the <laughs> test. And okay, I'll memorize that for five minutes before the test, and I'll forget it because who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So. We're getting through high school. You're doing all these kind of fun things. You're getting to say, hey, I need this class, so we'll do this. And I need this credit, so we'll do that. And, you know, you need some English stuff, so we're going to read some classic literature and do those. Do you remember the books by chance? Some of the ones you read? Ooh. Some of the classics? Um, I read Anna Karenina, or Karenina, depending on how you pronounce that. Um Side note, I just read War and Peace like last year. It was the longest book I've ever read. It's just <laughs> huge. Gosh. Some books um, will do that. Yeah. Um, I read that one. Um, I read something by Pearl S. Buck, but I don't remember which one it was. Yeah, Shakespeare, probably. I was really into Shakespeare in high school. I was a little. Very cool. 
geek. But I've, I've not really read a lot of Shakespeare. You always hear him reference and you hear things about him here and there, but I've not really read Shakespeare. Very clever. Very funny. That's what everyone a, talks about. Yeah. He's just one of the, you know, obviously one of the best writers ever live and probably ever will. Yeah, yeah. I do recommend you see it, though. It's much better to go and watch it. I mean, it's meant to be performed, not read. Okay. So I um, guess that kind of makes sense. So they, they were plays, right? Yeah, they were Yeah, they're written as plays, so it's much better. It's be like reading a radio script versus listening to it. It's yeah, just, actually you, hearing the performance or seeing the performance instead of just reading what it's supposed to be about. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So. Interesting. Okay, so we're wrapping all this kind of stuff up. We're going through. You're winding down. You graduate high school, I assume. Mm-hmm. Now, did you have like a ceremony or anything like that, like a normal, like a high school would, with like the, all the parents and the family, and you get your cap and gown, you walk and you get your diploma, or is it like, hey, I fulfilled my stuff, I got check marks, we got all good, we send it in, they send it back, and bada bing, bada boom, I got my diploma. <laughs> we did decide to have a ceremony, so there were four of us that from our homeschool group that graduated at the same time and uh the parents uh, presented the certificates to their kids and uh said a few words and we had family members and friends and so it goes back to that same group that you're a part of that you were doing the once Mm -hmm. a week now how, how big was the group i assume it's different all ages ranges everything yeah it started off and it was only high school and then i think they they bumped the ages down through middle school okay um some co-ops will do elementary school or they might not meet as long or it just really depends on what group you're involved in. Okay. That one was primarily focused on high schoolers. Um, I don't know how many kids. You think like 15, 20? Um, more? Probably a few more than that. Okay. Um, but a lot of people would come just for, you know, they wanted an art class. So they might only come for the hour that we had art class. Okay. Or they might be there the whole day and do... Um, art and choir and speech and debate. So and maybe it depended on just what their kids needed mm-hmm. and what they were there for. Because, yeah. I mean, chances are if you're homeschooled, you got other things going on. You've got activities. You've got, you know, sports or, or what have you going on. I know a lot of people who get into, like, competitive sports like gymnastics. Yes. Where you got to train a bunch. Like, you almost have to be homeschooled because you're going to be you in the time. gym six hours a day plus your schoolwork plus being a kid and having fun and running around outside, which they probably don't Unfortunately, get to do a lot of that because they're in the gym (laughs) and, and, you know, going to school the rest of the time. But so, okay, that's interesting. So you get through, you get through your ceremony. Everything is all good. Did you end up going to college then? I did. I went to Cedarville University, which is down near Dayton. Okay. Now, what took you at uh, Cedarville University? I wanted to go into camp ministry. That was my plan going into college. Now, what's that? So I did... During the summers, um, I went to different like summer camps. So where you go and you spend the week there and you spend the night and you do all these cool things okay. while you're away at camp. So so you were a counselor in those. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I did that. What age kids did you work with? Uh, we had a few weeks of teen camp, but it was mostly kind of like seven to thirteen year olds okay. somewhere in there. Um, pretty fun age at that point. They're not usually too sassy, but they yeah. do a lot of stuff and they don't get. Some, most of them don't get too homesick. <laughs> well, it's, it, it all depends on the kid, obviously, and how much time yes. they've spent away from home. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I went off to summer camp, I was missing home like crazy. I'd never been away from home. This is weird. And yeah. And you, then you go the next year and it's, oh, this isn't too bad. I get to go home in a week. It's no problem. And then like, the third time you go, it's like, hey, <laughs> this is vacation. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So our family went a lot um, as I was growing up. And then um, I went a few times 
individually as a camper and then got involved in, in actually working at camps. Now, did you work there all summer or did you just go for a couple of weeks or months? Or? Um, I think leading into college, I had probably only done a few weeks at a time. Most of the time, they won't hire people for a whole summer if they're still in high school. Well, it makes sense. They got schoolwork and stuff to do. Yeah. Um, and you have to, you want your counselors to be a good bit older than the campers. You know, if you have a teen camp, that can get a little complicated. Interesting point. Yes. yes. <laughs> Fortunately, we have to think about these things, but it is only because it's probably happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Same uh, reason why there's warning labels on cups of coffee. That, just, yeah. Just, hey, that, people, it's hot. <laughs> yes. And um, and high schoolers are only so responsible for, for different things. Um, no, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd, I'd been involved in camps um, and and really liked it. So I, you were thinking you'd make a career out of it. So yeah. go to school for it. Now, was that a school that specialized in that? Um, they had... Uh, I want to say like a minor in camping ministry. Okay. And um, I knew I wanted to be involved in a Christian camp. Um, I felt that um, God wanted me to to reach out to kids and uh, to share the gospel and to to talk about my faith. And camp was a way that was an influence on my life. And so I felt like that could be a good way for me to influence other people's lives. Okay. So... Wanted to go to a Christian college, visited a couple different ones, and uh, landed on Cedarville. It's still pretty close to home. It's far enough away that you're mm-hmm. not going to do the normal weekend trip, but it's still close enough that you could bugger off and go home for a long weekend or what have if you. If I needed to. Yeah, exactly. it, was, it was three hours away, so it was pretty perfect yeah. little distance there. Yep. Um, so when my dad dropped me off for uh, orientation week and all that, cool fun freshman stuff um of course he goes and knows he's at the schedule and is like oh caitlin there's walk-on tryouts for soccer yeah dad what uh he's like you should try out i was like dad i didn't play in high school i haven't played what probably four years four years i was like do you know that most people that play in college play in high school like (laughs) that's that's what you do and he's like just go just go and again my dad can talk me into things like swim team like this so i go so is is he a big influence in your life mm-hmm. so is he like the guy you go to when you've got troubles and you need to work something out yeah um my dad's like one of the smartest guys i know he's very not just brain smart but just very wise i feel like about life and okay. making decisions and i respect his opinion a lot it's always good to have people like that in your life and unfortunately a lot of people don't have that with their parents. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've got too much of a friendship so they can't be like a mentor-mentee kind of relationship. I, I've seen that with some of my friends who they're just too close to their kids. It's like you need to be a parent. Mm-hmm. Like you need to be friendly. You need to love them and be friends and do those kind of things. But you can't be so tight that you can't give them actual advice and have them want to come to you and talk to you when they're actually having trouble. Because some of us will dump on our friends, but most of us seek actual counsel from somebody who's more of a mentor yes than an actual friend yeah so yeah i've definitely sought my dad's advice on a lot of different things and um this was one of the cases where i feel like he pushed me in a good way yeah to try something new okay um, which, which is is fine there's nothing wrong with that i mean that's kind of his job is to help develop you into an adult i, mean, I heard a great quote not too long ago that i just i stole and i just i just kind of made it mine and he's like the guy was talking to his wife about his kid they you were know, probably like my age, like mid thirties and I just starting to have kids now because they've been just hustling and working on their businesses and doing those kind of things, you know, earlier in life through their twenties and early thirties. 
and they were talking about like raising kids. Like, no, no, no. Like, we're not raising kids. Like, we're raising adults who are going through childhood. Mm-hmm. So, so he's just pushing you to be, you know, obviously a, a better person later in life. It's, it wasn't about soccer at all. It was about no. getting out of your comfort zone and trying to do something that you probably didn't think you were very good at. So, yeah, that's, and, that's and great and advice making to have. Connections, you know, when you when you go to a new school and you're, you know probably realizing like I was homeschooled my whole life and here I am, you know, I'm not with my family anymore and I'm in a new place and I've got to think for myself I've and gotta... do all my own things. <laughs> yeah. Mom and dad aren't here to help me anymore. And that, that's, that's kind of one of the good things about college. I just wish we didn't have to do it with so much debt for all these oh poor gosh, kids coming yeah. out of school. Yeah. But that's, that's another topic. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you see your dad encouraged you to try out for the, the soccer team. So yep. did you? I did. Okay. I went to tryouts. Um, and when, when were tryouts? Uh, they were that week. So it was like first week of school. It was like first week of school. You're just getting down there. It's totally overwhelming for anyone. Yep. And you don't even know what's going on. You don't know where your classes are. You don't, you just start, did you have a roommate? I assume you stay on campus. I, I, um, this first year, yes, I did have a roommate. Okay, so you're getting so. to know them, you're getting to know their little idiosyncrasies and all those kind of things. And oh, by the way, I'm just gonna go try out for the college sports. Here we go. <laughs> yep, I love it. Okay, so how'd that go? Uh, yeah, it was interesting. There were, I think, three of us maybe that were just like walk-on tryouts, and it was only it was only for a couple hours, so it wasn't. You know, sometimes you think of tryouts as like a week or something. Like it was only a couple hours or something. We were on the field and the coach just had us do a couple different drills. So it was basically things. just come out. They're going to assess you, see if they have a chance to even work with you enough to get you decent enough to play in that kind of level. Mm-hmm. Or if it's just, nope, <laughs> <Yeah>. sorry, deuces, <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, basically all I could do was, was run decently fast and pass the ball. I could not shoot. No one had ever taught me how to. You know, well, you played soccer yeah. growing up. You didn't yeah, learn these things? No, you just like... So you just played bunch ball it was, like all the little kids do? It was Saturday mornings. You know, you had maybe half an hour to practice, and then they're just like, go play game. Um, so, yeah, a lot of those skills kind of got overlooked. Um, <laughs> well, unfortunately, most people don't know them, so they can't really teach them. Yeah, it's mostly parents, you know, just jumping in and helping out. Uh-huh. To so they're us, just so. there herding cats. Yep, yep. <laughs> they're they're so, not there to do drills. Well, just, I, I don't want to discredit them, but there were a few holes in my soccer game at this point. <laughs> uh, so the coach just politely said, um, thank you so much. Um, why don't you try, like, P, like soccer is your PE elective and go play intramurals. And then if you're still interested, you know, come back and talk to me in in the spring and we'll we'll maybe let you play JV. Okay, so, so... So he was trying to be nice and get rid of me. Essentially, but... So you went to school, obviously, in the fall, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a fall sport. It was a spring sport. No, it was a fall sport. Okay, so what, what was in the spring then? Um, So they still practiced in the spring. Okay. A, a lot of teams that are... Fall based will have a spring season. It won't be, um, it doesn't necessarily count. It'll be like an off season scrimmages. It's an excuse to get together and keep playing and practicing. Yeah, and the coach then skills. can still, you know, influence them. You know, if you think of like basketball teams, it's a winter sport. They'll start practicing in the fall pretty much as soon as they get there. Okay. Um, so, okay. So, so you showed up to, to college, you try out in the first week, which you're so overwhelmed with everything else, right? Coach says, Nope, sorry, it's not going to work out. Why don't you just go play intramurals, have fun, and then maybe come back in the spring, and we'll take another look at you. He's just—he's just being nice. Trying he's to being hurt nice. Yeah. He's trying not to hurt your feelings. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, so I did exactly what he said. I went and t- took PE as my, um, or took soccer as my PE elective, and then played intramural soccer 
um, which was a lot of fun. I so played... you played them through the fall? Uh-huh. Yeah. So the intramurals is just, you know, different kids on the, in, at the school just playing for fun. So, yes. Now, yeah. there are some intramural sports that are essentially like club teams. Yes. So those, to me, are more like actual college sports. Like I've got a friend who's got uh, boyos that played rugby for OU. Mm-hmm. But they don't have a rugby team, so it was a club team. Yeah. So it technically wasn't a part of the college, but they were essentially playing D1, you know, rugby because they were traveling around to all these other teams yeah. and playing Kent State and OSU and all, all the other, mm-hmm. you know, big, you know, big schools, I guess, that kind of have like a rugby club team. Yeah, so. it just doesn't tend to get uh, school funding. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. they kind of have to do all their own stuff and travel and everything else. So it's... Still, but so intramurals, you just you playing, having a good time. Were you were you learning, getting better then, or oh, a little bit probably since I was just really rusty since I hadn't played since I was fourteen. So um, yeah, just kicking the ball around. I played a little bit of volleyball just for fun, which is always fun. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I loved intramural volleyball in college. It was so much fun. It was great. I was on like one of those random teams where people just sign up as individuals and they throw all the individuals together. And the leftovers. Here you go. (laughs) Yep. Yep. We had a great season with those girls. Um, Played some sand volleyball. They had some nice sand courts out there and yeah, had had a great time just getting involved. They had put in a new climbing wall uh, just a couple years before I started going to Cedarville. So did a lot of rock climbing. Like a, a lot of bouldering where you weren't harnessed in? Or you no, it was all belay. Up? Okay. Yeah, so learned how to belay and just went up and down that wall a, bit, a bajillion times. Um, they changed the uh, routes and stuff or you just... Uh, they. I don't remember. Probably. Okay. I would hope they did, but uh, <laughs> I don't really remember. Normally they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so got a, involved in a lot of different things, tried out a, a bunch of different things. So kind of using college what it's supposed to be. You were getting yeah. to know different people. You were doing different things. You were trying different things out. I assume you're still studying, working hard yes. on your college work and doing all that kind of stuff, not failing out. Well, I had to prove to my grandmother that homeschooling worked. You know, see, I was the test homeschool kid, so... To back up my parents, so I had to <laughs> was, it, was it your dad's mom or your mom's mom? <laughs> my dad's mom. <laughs> so she wasn't too excited about the whole home, whole homeschooling. Well, thing, I, huh? I think they were just a little concerned for their grandchildren, just to make sure we got a, enough education. But okay, so you had a, a lot of weight on your shoulders <laughs> to kind of prove your parents right. I don't. I don't think like, I take that grammar. Really noticed it that much. I. I was. I'm generally a sort of type A perfectionist personality anyway. So I, I went in with all intentions of doing very well academically. Okay. Um, without, you know, only spending time in my room. You know, I was very involved in different things. So I just... Any kind of clubs or activities outside the intramural soccer and volleyball and doing some rock climbing? Um, I was involved in a couple different Bible studies. I went and did some community service. There was a, a therapeutic riding stable down the road. Okay. So I was a sidewalker there working with um, people with mental and physical disabilities that would ride horses each week. Okay. Um, loved that. And they, they did a really good job. Cedarville's right in the middle of cornfields. So they do a good job of having on-campus 
activities, you know, on weekends or different things that you can just try or have fun. Okay. Just do things because there's nothing to do in the town. Which which sometimes is a good thing because there's not a lot of trouble to get into. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I went to a school where it was down the, down the road of OU, which is kind of known as a big party school. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my friends on Wednesday, Thursday nights, they would load up, go over to OU and party, go clubbing and dancing and doing all that kind of stuff. And, hey, you want to go? Like, no, I I got the homework to do. I got, <laughs> I got things going on. I got a wife and kid at home. Like I'm here to hustle. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm not going out and partying and screwing around like you guys are. Like I got, I got things to get done. Yeah, Cedarville is actually a dry town. So, oh, so there's the, no alcohol. No alcohol. Well, in the that's town. no fun. So obviously you weren't drinking in college. <laughs> I was not drinking. College. Were you experimenting with other drugs or mushrooms or anything like that? No, no, I was. So like none of the normal college experience. You just. You know, did like schoolwork and I played actually sports. went to college to do schoolwork and play sports and make friends. I know. It sounds so like G rated, but Boring. it was awesome. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I can actually think back of like some of my friends were dicking around and drinking and partying and doing stupid shit. And none of them really got too much into drugs. I guess weed was kind of big down by school, but I didn't really know too many of the potheads. I knew some people who smoked a little bit, but it was nothing crazy. But uh, it's like I don't think I had but two or three drinks like mm-hmm. all of school. I think that was just before we all graduated. We all got together. We didn't even get like drunk. You just kind of had a couple had of a drinks. Couple, yeah. You get a little buzz going. Like, whoa, this is different. This is kind of fun. But I just it wasn't part of why I was down there for. I mean, I know some people they just they get away from home, especially I'd say it if they've grown up religious and they've been kind of kept away from all mm. these kind of things. They just tend to go crazy because yeah. it's the first experience they've had in the real world. Like, oh, I can do whatever I want. My parents aren't here to look over my shoulder and I can do all kinds of crazy stuff. And they tend to kind of just get themselves into trouble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which experimentation is fine, but we need to do things in kind of a smarter way. Smart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just being 18 and getting drunk and having the cops called on you. That's mm. kind of not a good idea. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. so well. Not a good idea. No. <laughs> so, okay. So, you're doing good in school. Things are going good. You're playing intramural sports. So, what happened in the spring then? Did you go back to the soccer uh, team? I went back to the team? coach. Yeah. And said, hey, I did exactly what you said. Can I join the team now? You said I could join the team, right? Okay. <laughs> and, yeah, he, he had me join the, the JV team. So, did he try you out? Or did he no. just say, no, you can do it? Yeah. Okay. So, so he pretty much told you to bugger off. Yep. And he said, but you could do this and come back to me in the spring, almost as a test mm-hmm. to say, hey, will you actually do the work that I told you to do? Yeah. And so you came back to him and he said, yeah, okay, cool. Let's join the JV and let's see what happens. Yep. So I started practicing, learned a lot from my teammates who were very gracious as I had no clue how to do any of these drills. Now, did they offer help or did you go and seek the help because you didn't have a lot of the skills that you probably needed to play at a college level? Uh, I don't really remember like going and like specifically asking them to work with me on stuff. It was more like just during practice. Okay. People would be kind and like helping me understand when the coach says this, then that means you do this. And, you know, just pointing out different techniques or, you know, ways to fix things, you know, similar to how people on our weightlifting club now, if they spot something, if they know enough and they spot something, they'll say something to you, you know, because they just want everyone to be better. And some people can do that and some people can't. Yeah. (laughs) 
as, as you had kind of alluded to earlier, some people are kind of nat- naturally gifted as teachers mm-hmm. and some people aren't. Yeah. So even though they might notice something's wrong, they may not be able to explain it in a way that kind of makes sense to somebody else. Yeah. But it's cool that your teammates were trying to help you out and get you better. So how did uh, practice go then? So this is the first time you've ever been like in a competitive sport other than just kind of community things. Yep. So how much did that kind of turn around your view on college and your your studies and classes and activities and everything else? It changed the structure of, yeah, compared, like first semester compared to um, not even necessarily the spring. Spring was a little more laid back as far as practices. Yeah, because you kind of just got involved. Yeah, but the, night, the following fall, so fall of my sophomore year, um, we practiced two hours a day. Um, so pretty much as soon as your last class was over, you were heading out to the fields, getting, you know, changed, warmed up, whatever. Um, coach was very strict about showing up on time. You had practice gear that you had to wear. You had to wear the right color t-shirt and, and everything. And, and then to be a team. Yeah. And to have your uniform on. Yeah. It yeah. was, it was official and it was well run. And, um, and then usually you went to dinner afterwards to the cafeteria as a team. And then somehow you managed to squeeze in homework before you fell asleep okay so yeah it changed the structure so it probably took away a lot of extracurricular activities with the volleyball maybe the rock climbing yep. and that kind of stuff because yeah. you just didn't have time for it i had to say no to a few more things yeah um but it was it was a good it was a good it added good structure to my my life and it was a great way to learn to um to add physical activity to my daily life and great connection with a group of girls that you know i got to hang out with every single day okay so it was five days a week it was five days a week Mm -hmm. so no no weekend practices uh in the off season we had 6 a.m practice on saturday mornings okay because that was the only time we could get the gym but um, well that makes sense i mean it's it's not a huge priority at that point yeah it's gonna go more for the sports that are gonna make money for the school yeah football basketball baseball softball like volleyball those kind of those kind of things no weekends were usually games so often you had a game on saturday sometimes we'd have games on tuesday nights and if if the jv team wasn't playing we were usually out supporting the the varsity girls now did you dress and stay on the sidelines or were you just there to some of some of them did i never dressed for varsity okay um i honestly was never that good um i actually I would say came into my own as a player probably after I graduated from college and I started playing overseas. Okay. Uh, but we were we were, we were very much a f- uh, one team as far as we we practiced together. The JV and the varsity practiced together at okay. that point. And that f- that first year that I played, so my second year in college, uh, we had probably the worst injury rate of any season they've ever had. We had. Um, six ACL tears and five concussions. You think it was like an overuse thing or was it just injuries because injuries happen? In I don't know that it was overuse. That being said, I, I didn't know much about coaching at that time or, you know, the sort of exercise science type background that I have now to, to evaluate that sort of thing. Um, I will say that the strength and conditioning program we had was not that great. Unfortunately, that's but the that's case with most typical. sports. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's sad, but it's very especially true. Especially for girls, I feel like. Um, so we had some reactionary sort of things that should have been helpful for our, like our knees. And we did do some strength training, but it was probably not enough for, you know, the the kind of playing we were supposed well, to be Well, let's doing. be real honest. Unless you were in the gym four to five times a week for at least an hour, hour and a half at a time doing structured strength work, it definitely wasn't enough. No, I, th- I think we were supposed to lift twice a week. Yeah, it's not enough. And <laughs> it was it was basically like 
the assistant coach showed us what to do once at the start of the season and then said, go, and go, go figure it out. Yeah. Go Have figure fun. it out. So no, that did not go well. Yeah. Not um, so much. Then that would definitely be a good reason why there are some more injuries than there should have been. Yeah. Um, it may not be the only cause obviously, but yeah, definitely not going to help. It's not, it's not going to help. Um, and, um, but the, I guess the cool thing was that that really pulled the team together, you know, in, in a lot of ways it could have pushed us apart you know, as far as like the hardships of so many people being injured, not having a very good season competitively due to those injuries. A lot of key players were, were sidelined. Um, but everyone just kind of like banded together and, you know, the people that were injured still came out to practice and still were very much involved. And, okay. Um, so that was, it was a very tight group of girls that year. Um, so how did the uh, the games work? So you said that you were on the JV and you were always there for the varsity games. Is it the thing like is it like basketball like where JV plays first and then varsity plays after or vice versa, or do you play on different days nights? Uh, we usually played on different days because um, sometimes we'd have to pull varsity players down to JV or vice versa. Okay. So you wouldn't necessarily have a full squad if you both played like okay. one back to back, and then not all the teams in the league that the varsity was playing against had jv teams so we played teams that were outside of our um like division just to make up the different games because the other teams didn't have yeah. them. makes sense mm-hmm. no big deal yep. so you were, you were at all the games varsity and jv were, yeah, were, yeah. The, were the varsity of the jv teams of jv games as well uh, uh a good number of the girls would come out okay um, so they're still they, there to support their teammates yeah if they weren't traveling that day or if they you know they tended to travel a lot more. They had more games than JV. Okay. So, understandably, they they had a higher level of commitment, and they had to, you know, get their schoolwork done at different times too. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but whenever they could, yeah, I, f- I feel like they they came out and supported as much as they could. Well, very cool. So then you got to play JV. Then the rest of the three years of college. Yes, I I played JV for three years, and then the last year that I was there, we didn't have a JV coach, so I was actually asked to coach. And so I coached, I was player manager for my last season. Okay. Um, which is not a great situation to be in. I wouldn't ever recommend no, that. No, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Um, it's very hard to warm up and talk to the referees and the other coach and <laughs> get your team warmed up and everything. Um, that being said, the girls that I were pl- I was playing with were, were great. You know, they, they did their best to respect me and, and do what I asked them to do and, um, uh, actually just called one of the the girls that I played with the like last week we talked for like an hour and a half on the phone it was great oh, very cool um, so still connected um, to a lot of them they're all married and having babies now but that's kind of what happens kinda, after you get out of college kind of this stage of life normal life yeah yep um, but uh, yeah some great connections um, and that kind of started me on on my coaching career i guess you could say now Um, how did you get talked into that i mean was it something you were interested in or did you do it begrudgingly so you could get to play still um i did i did say that i wasn't willing to coach unless i could still play at that point i was still felt very much a player and not a coach um i mean it's your last year of college and it was was, yeah it was my last year gonna be competitive athlete essentially so i was still i still wanted to play and but they were kind of stuck like they didn't really jv coach doesn't get paid that much they were stuck to find someone um and by that point um the coach um coach mac the the senior team coach the uh, varsity coach um he had he had poured a lot into me i was very um i was say a hard-working player 
And um, did you take extra time to understand like the strategy and what you were doing and explaining it to the other girls and doing that kind of stuff? Um, I I kind of had to learn on the fly. I wasn't. I wouldn't say I was the best strategist. I was a little more into like more the details of the technique and less big picture. The big picture is the part I've always struggled with as far as coaching soccer. Okay. Seeing, um, you know, beyond set pieces or, or um, you know, individual dribbling runs or different things, you know, seeing how the game should flow and different things like that. Um, but I was stuck coaching, so I had to <laughs> learn a little bit. And um, Well, I assumed you started to show these things while you were still playing in the other years, which is why they approached you to, to go over these things. I don't know if it was necessarily my coaching ability or if it was just more of um, probably my level of commitment to the team. Okay. Uh, as well as um, I had helped organize. There was a group of us that went to a homeschool group on Saturday mornings and coached. So, giving back to the homeschool community. <laughs> yeah, no, I can see exactly how this all happened. It's and, all starting to make sense. Yeah, so I I helped organize that. I would get players from the men's team and the women's team, um, and just kind of rally the troops, and we would go and we'd coach these kids in the, on Saturday mornings. Very cool. And what a great experience for those kids, I would imagine. Oh yeah, it was so much. They thought it was awesome because we were college players. Oh yeah. And then the parents fed us. That was the big draw for the college students: is you got a home cooked like meal every week. These kids don't know how to cook. <laughs> Come on, like. <laughs> well, we um, Cedarville's mostly dorms, so you got cafeteria food like all the time. There's normally kitchens in dorms. Mm. Yeah, not. Let's just say a free meal was definitely worth it to most people <laughs> to come out for. Fair enough. So, um, I, I would say it was probably more of just like my desire to invest in my teammates and my organizational skills versus actual coaching skills is why they asked me. Yeah. To do that. Um, so, how did that season go with you then? I mean, there's so many stressors with trying to coach and play and do those kind of things and kind of be the captain of the team and tell the people what to do and be the general or so to speak, like on the, on the field of battle, mm-hmm. if you will. But how, how do you manage that with having your teammates still respect you and know that you're not, Oh, I'm going to put myself in this position because I want to do this. And, and it was, I mean, obviously that doesn't seem like you. You seem like more the person to put the person where they need to be and you mm-hmm. just play the supporting role because you you want to help them get ahead more than probably yourself even. Yeah. Um, I feel like we did pretty well. I think my biggest frustration that year was um, we were struggling for players for JV. Okay. Um, we started the season off with probably 13 maybe. Now how many are on the field at all at once? 11. <laughs> so you had two people <laughs> to like sub in. We had like two subs. And then now normally you don't do a lot of subbing in soccer. No, but, but you you want to have at least two. And then I think someone got injured and then someone, you know, they didn't realize the time commitments and college sports. And, you know, so it was kind of down to like, like we don't even have enough for 11 players. Oh, goodness. And then I'm trying to like pull down varsity players like, hey, coach, can we have some people that – are sitting the bench like every game and going on for 10 minutes and he won't give us those players. And then, so it was into a little bit more of, you know, he's trying to protect his team and his opportunities. And, and I'm trying to give, I'm like, come on, let these players develop. They need to play in order to, so it was different, I guess, coaching mindsets as far as that goes. And, um, 
just realizing the benefit of actually just playing. Um, but that being said, I'm not going to say that he was wrong in his decision either to keep those players with the varsity team and not let them play. He was coach of the year multiple times and everything you know well, he obviously knows what he's he doing, knows then. what he's doing and i learned a lot from him um but that was probably the biggest frustration that year was there were some games we either had to pull out of or we would play like seven or eight aside because we just didn't have the numbers now did the other team then like whittle down their numbers so most of the time even? they would yeah okay. yeah yeah because if that were me i'd like sucks to be you <laughs> i'm playing 11 you got seven we're gonna crush you yeah well for most of them most of the JV teams, it is a developmental squad. You know, they're they're looking to give their, you know, maybe sort of bottom tier varsity players more time to, to learn their skills and to practice that. Okay. So they they want it to be game-like. If okay. they were just dominating, that wouldn't be very effective. Makes sense. <laughs> but, okay, I'm just – yeah, that's, just, that's my mentality. And I could see that from I'm, you, Matt. I'm in it to win it, so <laughs> – that's just, I'm, I'm just an asshole what, what can i say <laughs> you're competitive you're true to a fault yes <laughs> literally <laughs> so so you got done with all that you finished up school mm-hmm. i assume did mm-hmm. you stay in your same major the whole time did you change at all or uh, i changed slightly it was still a, a theology based degree that's what i came out with okay yeah now did you have your minor in the camping ministry i or? had a youth ministry and christian education minor okay yeah so theology was your major then? Uh, comprehensive Bible is what it was technically called. But okay. So what is what does that mean? I guess I don't know what that means. Um, it was just a it was a very general um, kind of theology major. So I kind of got a little more freedom to pick different classes. Okay. Uh, so you had, you know, your general Bible overview classes and then you could kind of pick specific books of the bible that you wanted to dive into as well as more practical theology classes so we had like um uh, an urban ministry class that was that was awesome we had a um, contemporary world missions where um they made a, an actual simulation where we were refugees for the weekend so you got to experience like what it might be like to be running from hostile forces and having to do a border crossing and bribe guards and do all these different things and interesting um so they they tried to make a lot of the classes very practical very sort of true to life not just like you would see in in ministry if you're going out of the country yeah yeah okay Um, so it's it's not just not just head knowledge but what can you do with your heart and your hands in people's lives okay so 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 was that trying to lead you into the ministry of it where you wanted to kind of do that more in like the camping setting? That was the idea of where I wanted to apply what I was learning. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um so then I had I'd been working at summer camps most pretty much every summer I was off from college and there was one summer I couldn't Now did you stay down at college like over the summer take classes or anything or did you go home to work? Or? No, I, I went I went and stayed at those camps. So Okay, so you literally left college and went to the camps and were there all summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I was home for maybe like a couple of weeks. Okay. Or something. So, so you go home and visit and say hi and then I, I love my family. Well, I went not, and said, said hello. <laughs> I'm not not saying that in that way. It's just most kids I think I think they rely too much on their parents. You know, Once and, I moved I out from th- high school, I was I was not home very much. Which which is good because you need to kind of learn to be self sufficient. Mm-hmm. And a lot of kids today, or even even when I was going to school, like we like me, like I would leave on the weekends every weekend. Like I would go home and I worked you know two ten hour shifts Saturday mm-hmm. and Sunday. 
know, so I was getting 20 hours a week. You know, then I come down to school and I was working on campus and uh. doing those kind of things. I mean, I, again, I had a family at home. I had a, I had a wife and daughter. Like yeah. I was, I was hustling, doing my thing. And I came home and I was working full time. You know, I was, I was, you know, living at home was I couldn't afford my own place because we were going down back to college, living on dorms and doing those kind of things. But mm-hmm. we were, I was just, you know, hustling, doing the best I could. And I think we, I think we finally got an apartment, like when I was getting ready to graduate, because I knew I was going to be home, working full time, we were good to go, and yeah. doing all that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's just you just you got to do what you got to do. And I was kind of, I wouldn't say I was taking advantage of my family, but I was kind of leaning on them probably way more than I should have. And, and, and there's some cases where that's appropriate, and some places where it's not. Yeah, but it's just, it's very cool to to hear you say, yeah, I went home, visited, you know, I love them, want to see them, but then it's like, hey, I'm doing my thing, I'm. I'm out of here. I'm again. doing this because yep. this is what I want to do with my life. I'm going to go learn to do it because that's kind of the only way. You don't learn a lot of that stuff in school. You got to yeah. actually do it. Yeah. So I pretty much had almost like an internship every summer. It wasn't a formal one, but I was I was in the industry that I was looking to very cool to go into. Now, what did that kind of teach you when you were in school that you could apply that onto your classes that you got to pick? Since yours wasn't like so rigid that it's mm-hmm. no take this class, this class because that was mine. Okay. Like there was 20 of us in our drafting and design degree because mm-hmm. I was in a school with a bunch of like forestry majors and nursing students and we were like the geeks in the, in the computer lab. Like yeah. there was 20 of us and, you know, obviously the first day they always tell you, oh, look to your left, look to your right because two of you aren't going to be here, you know, come your know, graduation or whatever. I think we graduated like 18 or 19 of us. I mean, there's only a couple that changed majors or dropped out. Mm-hmm. And it's like we had all the same classes together. It was it was all structured because there was only so many of us. So it's like you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do this. And there's only a couple of electives that I actually got to take because mm. it was like, hey, this is what you need to do to get your degree. And that's what I was there for. I wasn't there to to learn and take a bunch of cool classes. I wish now I would have taken some more classes, some electives just to have fun. Yeah. Because like I really liked my um, sociology class. Mm. A lot of a lot of my um, classmates or whatever they, they took a uh, psychology yeah whereas i enjoy psychology I actually read about that kind of stuff and listen to you know talks and podcasts and that kind of sure. thing it's fascinating but i just i loved our sociology class we had a crazy teacher mm-hmm. who was super introverted like afraid to talk in front of people <laughs> so to teach his class he played a persona so mm-hmm. he was essentially acting in class because mm-hmm. if you he said if you were to meet me outside of here this is not who i am <laughs> this is who I have to be to teach my class. And we had amazing conversations about, you know, human behavior and what, you know, this this has happened to this poor child and why would that lead them to this? And, okay, this, this one's troubled and won't speak and why would that lead them to here and look at their past? And we just had great conversations. It was so much fun, but mm-hmm. I enjoy those kind of things. Obviously, this is one of the reasons why I do the podcast because yes. I enjoy this stuff. But I can just remember, like, not doing well in that class. But I really enjoyed going. Mm-hmm. So like I, I didn't do well on the tests. I didn't study very well for <laughs> it. But I just I enjoyed the hell out of that class. It was so much fun. So I so I guess so. What are the kind of some of the things you learned like in these summer camps that you could come back and okay, I'm going to take some more of this. I want to do some more of that because it's you're having the kind of the real world experience while you're going through school, which a lot of kids don't get to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took play production which had nothing to do with my major, but I took as an elective um, because you didn't tend to do drama at summer camps. Okay. Had a great time. I was in with all these theater nerds that all knew each other and were all clicky and whatever. Yeah. And really funny. But um, 
learned a lot from that class. We had a great professor. Did you um, have to do any kind of performing? Uh, we did. We did one act plays at okay. the end of the semester. Did you have to write your own or did you just perform them? No, or? we just performed them, but we had to do um, props, costuming, makeup, um, all that kind of Part of your final grade, stuff. I assume? Yeah. It's kind of like your mm -hmm. big final exam? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that was one I, I picked that I felt related to what I wanted to Absolutely, because you're going to use that in mm -hmm. your camps. Um, I chose to do a business minor as well because I knew that you tend to do a lot of administration whatever type of ministry you're in, there's always usually a business side of things that you don't like, but you need to know how to do. Yeah. Um, can't say I really enjoyed those classes. Uh, it's, but... it's business. I mean, <laughs> they're not going to teach you much in school because if they knew how to do business, they'd be off doing business. <laughs> but they wouldn't be teaching classes. Yeah. It was, it was okay. But uh, that was the reason I chose to do those ones. Makes sense. Um, trying to think of what else I, I threw in there. There were, there were a few classes that I was like, oh, this, this could be helpful for what I'm doing. And, um, I've probably, there were a lot of the core classes that I had to take anyway, that were like leadership or like how to teach the Bible to someone that were very practical that, that I felt related directly to what I was doing. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So one of those summers though, I, instead of working at the, the camp I had worked at for like three years, I, um, I decided I needed to make a little bit more money. You don't tend to make a lot of money working at a Christian camp. Probably not. Um, so I was like, oh, lifeguard, but I still want to be involved. Like, I still want to do something with kids, and we'll just try a different angle at this. So I'd heard of Ambassadors Football, which is a Christian soccer ministry. Okay. And uh, they're actually based in Twinsburg, Ohio, of all places. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, international organization in Twinsburg. Twinsburg, Ohio. Okay, that's cool. Whatever. Um, but they do... Works out well for you. It works out well for me. So they did um, They did local uh, day camps for kids. So they would go connect with the local church. Um, the church would do all the promotion. The organization would send in the coaches. So okay. they would bring in coaches from all around the world. So I got to meet people from Brazil and Germany and Holland and Spain and, uh, oh gosh, different parts of Africa. All these different people would come in. And these are all people who've grown up playing football. Playing their whole That's lives. That's all they do is play football. Yeah. And we'd have like coaches games. And it was so cool to see like the Brazilian over here that's all flamboyant and just smooth and just the way they play. And then you get the, the Englishman over here that's like bashing into people and then... Kind of rough and tough. Yeah, and a little more rougher. And then, um, yeah, just the different styles all coming out on the field. It was then, interesting. Um, but it, it was a lot of fun. And um, so I, I loved that. I, I liked... Um, the fact that we were involved with a church who could then um, follow up with the, the kids or the parents if they were interested in getting more involved or, um, you know, wanted some more support or information. Okay. So you were um, one of the coaches then? I was one of the coaches. to help run these day clinics? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Um, so we would have, we'd have five days in a row at a, at, at a church. Um, the kids would come from, I think, nine in the morning till three in the afternoon or something. And... Um, because one of the one of the difficulties I found at the the summer camps where the kids would stay overnight is they don't start to open up until about Thursday night. Yeah, um, almost time to go home. Or and it's almost time to go home. Yeah, well that's just how that works. And it's it can be really heartbreaking investing in those kids and then you know knowing some of the family situations they're going back to and not knowing how to get them plugged in or supported or you know what kind of help can you give them after they leave? Only what they can ask for. 
Yeah, and and, un- and most kids unfortunately how it works. don't don't know how to ask, and most, and most of them are afraid. I think it's, yeah. it's not they don't know how to ask; they know how to ask for help. They maybe don't know all of what's going on, mm-hmm. but until you can become comfortable with them, you know they're not going to open up to you. That's just kind of how that works. Yeah, so there's definitely limits to a week long camp, um, especially when they're not staying the night. And yeah, yeah, in in both cases, but um. I did like the the connection as far as the day camps with the church, just in that, you know, if if parents came and visited, at least then they knew some of the people at the church, you know, when they said hello for registration, um, the kids knew a few of the people if the family decided that they wanted to be more involved or to, you know, get involved in different things than they could. And it wasn't just this one week that was completely separate from the rest of their lives. Yeah, exactly. Um so anyway, I got involved with that and... Um, so you just did that for the summer then? I just did that for the summer. I actually only did... I did their training week and then I did two weeks of camp and the rest of the, week, the summer I had to work. So I was just lifeguarding. Okay. So it was only a few weeks It was of only that. a few weeks So it wasn't like you did, you know, one one clinic for this week at this location then you drove like two hours away and did like another clinic. That's what most people did, but I only had two weeks to give them. So, oh, okay. So I, I said I can only do these couple weeks. Um, but most, like the, the international coaches that they brought in, they would be there, be in the U.S. for like six weeks at a time. And they would just travel around the different locations. Every week kind of regional different. probably. Yeah. Where yeah. they're far enough away that people aren't going to drive for a day camp, but yeah. still, still close enough that they could still get there and not have to mm-hmm. you know, travel and fly and do those kind of things. Yeah. Very uh, cool. Some, some of their teams would, would actually fly they'd have different camps like on the west coast or whatever and they might do two camps in ohio and then go to, to california and do two camps out there but okay um yeah but that was my introduction to ambassadors football and then i was looking um so that was my junior year i think so, so in, summer, in between your in, sophomore and junior mm-hmm, year okay yeah so or no after after junior year so going into senior so, okay, year. okay so going into your senior year mm-hmm, yep and then um Part of the reason I wanted to make some money was because I decided to study abroad my senior year. So after the fall season of soccer, I took off and I went to Dublin for a semester. Okay. And studied there. So that was. And did you like? Did you go there to finish up your schooling, or did you just go there to, for the experience? Well, a little bit of both. Okay. Um, I had to take a few more classes, and those classes counted. I'd saved a bunch of gen eds and random stuff that I could do overseas okay um so how long have you been planning this then uh probably from like sophomore year okay. i i love traveling and so knew that was a great opportunity to to go um there were probably like 15 of us i think from cedarville that went over at the same time really the same school um yeah so we went to dublin business school um wouldn't necessarily recommend it but um i didn't really go for the schooling hey, it's not in dayton ohio <laughs> i was uh wanting to travel and so they had they had evening classes as well as regular day classes so i managed to get my schedule so i was only doing classes monday night through wednesday afternoon so i could travel wednesday afternoon through monday day Very cool. and um so I, I traveled a lot like pretty much every weekend i was i was going somewhere Usually in Ireland, I felt like if I was living in the country, I was going to make the most of that country. Okay. Uh, there were a lot of my friends that felt like they were leaving Ireland all the time. And I was like, you haven't even gotten to know the country you're well, living in. Yeah, but in. That, that's the great thing about being over there. Because like, I've never been out of the country. 
And I would love to go over into that kind of area mm-hmm. where you can drive four hours this way and be in a different country and drive two hours that way and be in a different country. Yes. Hop on a train for six hours and be in you know, a totally different country. It's like, that sounds way cool. I mean, obviously, it's cool to travel around the country that you're there in mm-hmm. and explore all that has to offer. And that's fun. But to see all these different places in such a short time frame is just I mean, how do you pass that up? Yeah, yeah. I, I did spend some time in England. Um, I had a friend that I had met through Ambassadors. I actually went and stayed with him and his family uh, for a couple of days. And then we took spring break and went to Italy. So there were a few countries that I went to outside of Ireland. And okay. Then, but you ask any – you meet any Irish person, I've probably seen more of Ireland than they have as far as, like, tourist <laughs> attractions. <laughs> uh, but it was it was a great experience, and it was it – was, I felt – a a really great learning experience, not so much in the classes that I was taking, but just broadening my horizons, seeing how people live in a different country, yeah. uh, what's normal for them, how do they approach politics, how do they approach religion, how do they interact in their families. I, I stayed with a host family while I was there. Um, you know, transportation, weather, yeah, everything is, is slightly different. It's still Western culture, you know, still speaking English. Oh, which is nice. Um, you don't have the language barrier. Yeah, yeah. So um, sometimes we had a language barrier as far as the accent was hard to understand. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, you could hear them just fine or understand just fine. Um, so, so were you just there for a semester then? Just a semester. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, um, I, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do after college. Obviously, senior year, you tend to think about these things a little bit. It's probably a good time to good start idea. thinking about yeah. that. Um, so I was looking at getting more involved with ambassadors. They had opportunities for internships. I did not want to intern in Twinsburg, Ohio. I thought that was pretty lame. You um, kind of grew up there. So I kind of grew up there. time to go see some other things. There's a reason you're in Ireland. Uh, yes, yes. So they had an office in Northern Ireland, which if you want to get into geography, is a separate country from the Republic of Ireland. And uh, so I went and visited there and did actually a week of camp while I was up there and got to meet uh, some of the staff members in that office and had a great time. Absolutely loved it. Um, Met a girl who was doing an internship in London and got to hear an insider view. Mainly the reason I, I didn't go to London was it was super expensive. Yeah. I mean, it's big city living there. <laughs> yeah, it is. And um, so it was really great to talk with her and just get a real real life uh, perspective on, on her internship there. And um, so then, yeah, I started getting the ball rolling for, for going to Ireland. Um, I took the next, let's see, I graduated in May, um, worked for ambassadors over that summer. So I did their camps again, like the day camps at the churches, did the whole summer. And then uh, I decided to go back to Cedarville and coach for another year uh, as a JV coach and spend some time um, raising support. So the the organization I went through, you had to raise your own financial support um, to get through the, the following year. And that usually takes a little bit of time. Okay. So I figured I could coach part-time and spend the rest of the time fundraising. Now, what kind of fundraisers were you doing to raise money? Um, it was mainly um, personal sponsorships. I did do like a five-a-side tournament. You know, I organized a few things um, that brought in, you know, chunks of money. But for the most part, it was just talking to individuals and churches that I felt um, would share the vision for what I wanted to do okay. and um, support me in that. Um, 
So usually with with fundraising, you have to kind of get past it's like, I'm not asking them to just give me money. I'm asking them to give money to an organization to make these things happen. You've got to give them a purpose. Yeah. Like, hey, we're teaching these kids. We're doing it through these, you know, like like these lenses to try to hopefully broaden their horizons later in life. And they're not just, yeah, we're just having a camp. We're having fun and give me some money. Yeah. No, it's it's bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So just you know, explaining what I would be doing as far as like, you know, what impact would we be having in the, in the community in Ireland and yeah, trying to get people on board. So, um, worked through that and then, um, ended up going over for my internship in, I think it was January, 2011. Um, had a couple issues with my visa, ended up getting kicked out of the country, <laughs> and I come straight back, <laughs> and uh, started the internship in February, but um, got that all ironed out, and um, yeah, started learning about the culture up there and getting involved. I did some coaching in a local school. Um, the schools are very open to having people come in and um, invest in the kids. and These like elementary um, schools? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, primary schools as they're called over there, but okay. yes, elementary age. And, uh, so got involved with, with the organization over there, really, uh, enjoyed it. Uh, there were obviously challenges to moving overseas, but, uh, felt like I was starting to get to know people. I started playing on a soccer team over there. There's a women's team that I joined. Is it like a club team? Or... Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. They have a lot better, uh, adult club systems over there. You know, here it's like. You know, you maybe get people to turn up in the same color T-shirt once a I mean, week. <laughs> around here, they're kind of more like beer sports. So yeah, yeah. You're going like, to go play, yeah, but really it's going to socialize after the afterwards at the bar. I mean, yeah. That's, that's kind of why people play yeah. sports. Whereas here they have actual amateur leagues and, you know, you have a uniform, you have a coach, you have a manager, you pay your dues wow. and you, like, turn up to practice. So it would be like college-level athletes or above. Yeah. Uh, Yes and no. Depends on what league you're playing in. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, we usually trained um, twice a week and then would, um, would have a game as well. And then sometimes once you got into the season, you only ended up training once a week and having a game the other night. Um, okay. Usually I think a little bit harder for the women's league just as far as like women tend to. I mean, it's just numbers of people want to play. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sports for girls – in Northern Ireland is, is behind the times, I would say. Okay. As far as being encouraged, um, girls are not encouraged to be as sporty as boys. Whereas in the U.S., I think we, uh, if you go back to like, I can't remember which World Cup, you know, but you get Mia Hamm and um, all these big name players that it's like U.S. soccer for women took off, inspired all these girls, and now it's like the top sport in the U.S. for women. Well, I mean, it's one of the, best chances that girls have of getting a college scholarship yeah I, I think it's i think it's the highest like um pickup rate from w- high school athletes to college yeah um so they're yeah their schools even just the way the school systems are set up and different things yeah it doesn't it's not as encouraged it's getting better it's getting a lot better over there as far as getting girls involved in the sport but um yeah People are like, oh, my gosh, you went over and played in Europe? Like, you must be really good. And I was like, well, soccer in Northern Ireland is not actually as high of a level uh, for the women. They don't need to know that. As the U.S. But You're like, yeah, I'm a boss. I'm amazing. <laughs> um, but I, I, I feel like I did learn a lot um, playing on the team. 
and uh, just growing as a player. I ended up switching positions. I'd always played right back, like right defensive player. Uh, ended up going into midfield and playing there for a couple seasons and really learned a lot more about the game as far as like so the the position in midfield I was playing. I was essentially the playmaker. So I was having to see, you know, two steps ahead in the game to see where I could place the ball that they could go make a run or, you know, yeah. I was having to read the game a little bit more. So That's kind of the idea of when you get to those higher levels, you need to be able to understand all of what's going on and not just how to do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so what a lot of people kind of struggle with, and it's like, no, you need to understand the flow of the game. And what happens if I do this? What happens if they do that? So you got to think ahead. And yeah, yeah. It's it's very much. You can't just react yeah, to everything. It's and... very much like chess. <laughs> you need to be thinking four steps ahead of your opponent and try to outthink them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So learned learned a lot um, playing with those girls. Ended up playing five seasons on that team. Awesome. Um, so well, they have like uh, two seasons a year. Or is it one season? It's a just year? one season a year. So it's five years of playing with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, it was it was really hard to say goodbye at the end of the five years. They like gave me my jersey and everything. And <laughs> it's like, oh. but um, yeah, I I loved getting involved. It was a great way to to get to know some people in the community too. You know, being really an outsider moving in from another country get involved in sports you know you see the same people a couple times a week start hanging out with them start getting to know them it's a it's a good way to get plugged in yeah it's one of the huge advantages of of sports whereas if i hadn't been sporty i don't know exactly how i would have met people just from work and where you normally hang out Mm -hmm. i mean that's that's about the only option that people have unfortunately unless you get involved in some sort of activity yeah. or club or church or any kind of organization to meet new people otherwise mm-hmm. it's just who you work with because I mean, what do we all do we spend time at work and then the rest of us either go off to hobbies or some people just go home and yep and if you go home that's fine if you want to spend time with your family and do those kind of things that, that, there's nothing wrong with that but if, <laughs> unless you're on your own in a foreign country <laughs> but yeah but if you're on your own in a foreign country like you got to Get out the house. You got to go meet new people. Yeah. I mean, you can't yeah. just hang out with your host family all the time. You have to, yeah, cre- create your own family. Which I had, I had some amazing host families. I I lived with families um, the majority of the time I was over there. Okay. Um, I had at one point I was in my own flat for that was for two years, but um, mostly lived with families, which was a great great way to get to know people. Well, it's hard to think you'd make enough, you know, money like coaching part time. No, to, not really. To, <laughs> to have a flat. I mean, yeah, um, that was. That was a whole unique situation in and of itself, how I got there. But uh oh, story time. <laughs> well, I was I was struggling to to get enough funds, and so this this opportunity came up to work at Belfast Bible College as um uh, their community life intern, and uh, I was essentially perfect for the job. And they're like, "Yes, we really want you to have this." Um, <laughs> I was like, "I don't actually know with this job description and how much you're offering to give them, like who you would have found to do this except me." But um, it worked out great. <laughs> Lucky for you, I need the money, and I'm willing to work for nothing. So yeah. thank you very much. <laughs> so actually, it wasn't. It, there was no money, but there was housing, and that was my main need at that point. Oh, okay. So I, I so went... they're bribing you with a place to sleep. Yeah, All right. yeah. I like it. I like it. So it I, worked. I ended up moving from Portadown, which is a smaller town, up to Belfast. Um, which is the the capital of Northern Ireland. Okay. So it's only 40 minutes away. It's not a very big country. You can drive. Again, that's kind of the cool thing about being over there. Yeah. Because I remember uh, hearing a a German speak, and he was – he he came here to to study math. I forget which college he went to. He's got like Mm. five degrees or some shit, like super smart guy. (laughs) 
and he grew up over there. He's German, and he's like, you guys have no idea. I mean, I, he lives in Michigan now. I think he went to school up there somewhere, maybe University of Michigan. I don't know exactly, but he's like, yeah, I could drive four hours any direction and be in like four different countries. He's yeah. he's like, but here you can drive four hours one way and you're still in the same damn state. Like you people have no idea <laughs> what it's like over there. Their concept of distance is so different. You know, you drive an hour and they're like, oh, we should probably get a hotel. Like we need to spend the night. That's a long trip for them. Like uh, you go yeah. to you go to Texas, like oh, it's only three hours away. It's real close. <laughs> it's not too bad. <laughs> yeah. So the concept of distance is very different, and um, especially in Northern Ireland, I don't know if it's exactly the same in um, the South, but um, they're very, very, very connected, and like jobs are a little bit shorter there right now, and there's opportunity, more opportunities to work in England, but a lot of them will only go over there for as long as they have to and then try to move back home and they're okay. all they're all um family connections and family oriented and it really only t- you're like one person away from any other person in northern ireland okay. so as soon as you meet someone over there the first question you ask other than their name is like you know who so you, you related you, to yeah you start trying to figure out like what's your connection to that person who else do you know that they know yeah um which was cool because by the end of the five years i was able to to play the game with everyone else <laughs> um between i was i was involved in in soccer obviously for those five years um i was involved in a couple different churches um uh, then the ministry that we were in went to a lot of different parts of Northern Ireland to do those camps and to do different trainings and outreach and, and things. So I made a lot of connections while I was over there. How could it's, you not? It was great. You, you weren't just sitting in your flat being bored all the no, time. No, no, definitely not. You were out and about doing your thing. Um, so, but that I would say that's one of the things I missed the most was the fact that you could go down to the shops in town and you would run into three people that you knew while you were down there. Whereas here, it's like I go to the grocery store I could go there every day. And it's, yeah, it's rare to see someone you even know, let alone know who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Like not even necessarily recognize the people. And then have like same friends or people like, you know, that connect your lives together somehow. Mm -hmm. You're not saying like hello to these people because you know them. Um, So it's the community in in Northern Ireland is, is great. Some people don't like it as much because they tend to know people's business too. <laughs> um, that kind of comes with the territory. It <laughs> comes with it. Um, but it was great to, to start to have that while I was over there since I didn't have, you know, the, the strong family connections that I grew up with or that, you know, tight group of, of friends from college or. Well, yeah, but, I mean, but the community itself becomes your friends, all your mm-hmm. friends from soccer or work or, you know, any kind of other clubs you're involved with or what have you, they, they become your family. I mean, that, that, that's the good thing about your community of friends, so to speak, is you get to pick them. Yes. You know, your family, yeah. like you love them <laughs> and, you, and you're stuck with them a little bit, but and they're still family and it is, it is what it is. But you know, your other you know, community and your friends and everything else, like you get to pick them. Yeah. Which, which is a very cool thing. Yeah. So one of, I guess the other, I guess, community I got involved in was the local gym that I went to and I started off just going and doing their regular like aerobics classes, you know, so like, um, yeah, which is little what tiny... people think, you know, gets people fit. I'm going to go do some aerobics and jazzercise. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I did kickboxing. It was super fun. And then I started doing a little bit of weights and, um, they had a, a nutrition challenge that I did while I was down there. Pretty much anything they offered. I was like, yeah, I'll try it. Sign me up. Why not? Um, 
And so I got to know a lot of the people there. Because you didn't even really have a background of this, even with sports, because you said you said in college your weight room training was ridiculous. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, assume you didn't really lift through high school. So this is probably your first real ex- like exposure to the health and fitness world. Um, well, that being said, my mom taught group exercise classes from when she was pregnant with me. Okay. So I've been to gyms a lot. I've been okay. exposed to that a lot uh, growing up. And then I actually taught group exercise while I was in college. Okay. Um, so I, I was exposed to it, didn't necessarily know what to look for or as as much as far as like what I know now. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that they offered was they actually had a couple guys at this gym that had been involved in Olympic weightlifting. So they did a, a seminar one day. I was like, I don't know what this is, but I'll go anyway. Uh, I think I got a few of my friends to come with me, and we were, like, trying it out. We spent, I think, three hours with broomsticks and then an hour maybe with with barbells. An empty barbell, I assume. Uh, They actually let me load it up, which was a little bit crazy. Not a good idea on your first day. Um, So I had, let's see, I had a men's bar. And I had... Which is a 20-kilo bar. 20-kilo bar. It's a little bit thicker. I think it's a 25-millimeter stick. Yeah. Whereas the women's bar is 15 kilos. They didn't have any women's bars. And it's a little bit thinner in diameter for the for the grip. Was mm-hmm. it like 15? Fish, I think it's 17, 15. something like that. It's a little bit smaller. It's a little bit smaller. A little bit easier for somebody with smaller hands to grab around. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they didn't have women's bars. I just had a couple men's bars and some technique bars. Pretty common in a small club like that. Yeah. So we... Uh, I, I could not figure out the snatch. Like, I... I was like just staring at this technique bar. Like, I know it has to go over my head, but I still don't get it. Like, I know we drilled for like two hours, but I don't know. What's How happening. does this go from there to yeah. here? I don't understand. Um, but the clean and jerk came a lot easier to me. And I, I ended up, I don't know that I jerked it, but I, I know I cleaned. Um, it was a men's bar with two yellows. So what's that? Uh, is that 50 kilos? With the men's bar and what? Yellow. Yeah, plates. 50. yeah, fifty kilos. So I think I cleaned fifty kilos my first day. That's a lot more than you should have been doing. Probably but pretty impressive for your first day. Uh, <laughs> probably a lot more than I should have been. Oh, it was probably def- definitely a lot more. Probably really ugly, but I don't remember. I just <laughs> like the next day was what I remembered when I couldn't walk down the stairs, <laughs> and I literally slid down on my butt. I was like, I just played around with a with the stupid like broomstick like what did this do i was like this is really cool i want to go back (laughs) (laughs) so that was what hooked me was actually just like i don't i can't believe how sore i got from using a broomstick um so ended up signing up for an olympic weightlifting meet not really knowing exactly what i was doing um it's the best way to figure it out. Yeah. Just yep, jump in just both feet. Jump in. And uh, so I did some personal training sessions with one of the coaches that led the clinic. Um, so he helped me out a little bit, gave me kind of a training program uh, to do in between when we were meeting up. And then funds kind of dried up and I was like, I can't pay you anymore. Um, so I was just trying to figure it out. On my that own. kind of stuff happens. Uh huh. And, um, but I, I, I signed up for the meet and I, I got there and I was like, going on and um so i weighed in and this lady was like well where where are you from like what are you what are you <laughs> i'm from ohio <laughs> yeah what are you doing here i'm from the colonies <laughs> <laughs> um and she ended up figuring out she was like well if you don't have a club to train with you should definitely come up sometime our club's called go lift um if you're ever up toward belfast area you know come and drop in sometime you know we'd love to have you okay that's cool and um I'm like just kind of standing around and end up 
someone connects me with someone to coach me through this meet because I didn't know how the meet ran really. I knew I had three lifts and well, it's it's hard because you don't know what to expect. No. You don't you don't have a club that you're training with where they can teach you and yeah. you go through it with them. You just kind of show up like, hey, how do we do this thing? Are we gonna warm up or what happens? Well, like the 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 coach that I had, you know, obviously I'd only paid him a couple times to kind of give me a program and do a couple things with me. Um, so he wasn't able to be there that day. So they ended up connecting me with um, this girl called Emma, who was actually, she's been on the Ir- Irish world team. Like she's competed at Worlds. Oh, man. I was like, oh, well, that's pretty cool. Just an international level lifter right off the bat. Awesome. Right. That's, that's sweet. So she actually coached me and um, I think there were two other girls that it was their first meet. They'd never never done before it was a developmental meet like a, yeah. a beginner's meet yeah but still um i was i was petrified <laughs> um so i i'm trying to think of what i did i i should have written these numbers down because it was pretty funny i think i snatched like maybe like 25 kilos and then i think i clean and jerked 65 something like that it was like okay double yeah so the snatch was really really low and the clean and jerk was like all right not too bad it's not pretty good t- not too bad at that point um because i remember um roberta the lady who weighed me in she was like are you sure that's what you want for your clean and jerk after she heard my snatch number <laughs> i was like because normally yes. if you'd have a snatch of like 25 you might be clean and jerk in 35 40 maybe yeah yeah, yeah. So it was, my, yeah, my <laughs> clean and jerk was way ahead of my snatch at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I got through the first meet and was like, okay, this was kind of cool. And then took Roberta up on her invitation to come visit the actual weightlifting club and uh, ended up getting... Look at you just being like dedicated to sports and stuff. <laughs> hey, you should come train with us. Okay. Just showing up. I just need the invitation. That's all. But I, I love need. it because it's like, like your college football soccer coach. Was saying, hey, you're not quite good enough to make the team, but go play in murals and come back in the spring, and maybe we'll talk about it then. So you did what he told you to do, and mm-hmm. you show back up, and you got to play all through college. And that legend Ireland, you played for five years in Ireland, and and now like the weightlifters, like, ah, come check out our club. Like, okay, and you just show up, and that's how you learn things. This is awesome. Yeah. So, and and I think one of the biggest like motivations was I was looking for something new to try. Like I, okay. I was still enjoying the soccer and yeah, I was still you, involved. You've played it. You've done it. Like you've, I hate to say it. You've probably as good as you're ever going to get mm-hmm, at that point. And then, um, as far as the classes and the gym were going, like some of them were kind of like competitive. Like they were all, they were like pseudo CrossFit. Um, they didn't have actual barbells, but you were doing like intervals and AMRAPs and kind of different things. Anyway, okay. so, so more like, of like endurance kind of training, get it go yeah. sweat going, do a bunch of wraps. Mm-hmm. Whereas weightlifting is not not so much that. Like, no, it's pretty much you're gonna lift as much as weight as possible, you know, like as quick a time as possible, and then sit down and w- wait for a couple of minutes and then try it again. <laughs> yeah, which I uh, I did not know that's what it was really, but <laughs> um, I knew that I was just as fast as all the instructors in the gym at the classes I was doing, and I was getting bored because I was like, I don't know where to go from here. Like I'm better than everyone else. So I want <laughs> something new, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, I, I ended up getting involved at Go Lift which is, um, it's in Newton Abbey, which is just north of Belfast. And so I would make the drive up there. Um, I don't know exactly how often I was going at that point. And then I ended up moving to Belfast Bible College, like I said, to get um, some accommodation. And uh, that was actually way, way closer to where 
the club was. Okay. Um, and then there was another girl, um, Sarah, one of my training partners, who lived in the same town as the same suburb of Belfast as I was living in. So we would carpool up to go nice. live together, which was a lot of fun. So you got to make it up a lot more often. Yeah. Were you, were you training regularly there? Or? So then by that point, yes, I was training regularly. I was I was up there probably probably at least four times a week. Nice. If not five. And um What was the training atmosphere like there? Was it, it like a bunch of different people, lots of different levels? Lots of different levels. Um we we all trained together at like at the same time. Like it was literally only open from seven to nine in the evenings. Okay. And then Saturday mornings. Okay. So if you wanted to train, you needed to come then. Okay. Um so you got to know everyone in the gym. Uh, there were a few people that had keys and could technically come in other times. Um, but most people, like, they worked. And so that was, like, a good yeah, time Yeah, you to go them. train in the yeah. evenings and Saturday yeah, you mornings could, you, and no big deal. Yeah, so you, you know, you went to work, you ate dinner, and then you went and trained. And um, so the, the coach there, um, Pete, he competed at the Commonwealth Games as a lifter himself. So pretty good lifter. Pretty good lifter, yep, and um, just really wanted the sport to grow. It's just really passionate about getting people involved, and uh, so started up a club, got people going. The two guys that had done the clinic at the gym that I got introduced to it at were his lifters um, previously, and then ended up were too far away really to get up there to train very often. Um, but we started a we had a kids program going on Saturday mornings. And so I got to get involved with that a little bit. I ended up going and um, doing my British weightlifting level one course, mainly because I wanted to learn more. Okay. I was like, if I know how to teach it to someone, that means I should know it pretty well. Like I figured if... if <laughs> That's exactly how that works. Once, uh, you, once you understand something enough to teach it to someone else, you will get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think I kind of knew that from my mom and just her experience teaching us. And so I, yeah, even though I, I didn't at that point have any intention of coaching. Um, Since you went there to learn for you. I went, yeah, yeah. And so I did the the level one and then, um, yeah, I kept competing. There were, there were two other girls that were similar level to me in the club. So Jill and Sarah and I all trained together all the time. It was usually three of us on a platform, you know, so one person lifts and the other person goes on and the other person lifts. And so then... I think that's the best way to train. It's so good. Th there's, there's no thinking, there's no time restraints. You don't have to worry about getting stuck in conversations or just screwing around or playing on your phone or if you're reading a book or doing homework, I guess you could do that in the gym. It's a dumb <laughs> idea, but you could do it. So it's like, I like that. It's like, well, they're going to lift, you're going to change the weights. And the next person is going to lift, you're going to change the weights. The next person is going to lift, and we start all over again. Like, here we go. Yep. And, and, and if you guys were all about the same level, there's not a whole lot of weight changing going on. No, so you, there you wasn't. Just, you just kind of just, you keep lifting. It keeps you on a track, keeps you keeps you moving. Great rhythm for yeah, lifting. It's, like, it's about the perfect thing to do. Mm -hmm. And and having three people is just about the right amount of rest time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and we we just had a had a great time. It was a really good atmosphere in there. Everyone's super encouraging, which is great because you're going to push each other, and you, everyone's going to get better together. That's the whole idea. Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. that that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So I I began to get a little more serious with it. Um, I decided I wanted to um, drop a weight class. I or for my first meet, I weighed in at sixty two point nine. Um, so you competed as sixty. I competed as sixty three, uh, and then. I decided for the next meet, I wanted to be a little more competitive. 
I'd already lost some weight um, just from doing some squat cycles and learning a little bit about nutrition. And um, I wasn't too far off. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to be a 58. And um, that was their, it was for their biggest meet of the year. So they have their, their Northern Ireland championships. And uh, there wasn't a qualifying total at the time for that, but it it was the meet that we all trained for. Okay. So it'd be like similar to around here, like our state meet. Yes. It's like the big meet for everyone. Yep. Anybody can lift in it, but everybody does lift in Mm -hmm. it. Even if you're one of the best lifters in the country, like we have some people around here that are national level lifters and they all still go to the state meet because it's it's still a big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So very cool. Yep. So I ended up. How long did, how long did you have to train for that? Um, I had a, I had probably a little less than a year. I remember going and watching it the year before. Okay. I went and watched it because I was, still wasn't sure what, what this whole sport was. Okay. Was that before you started training at your club mm-hmm. there? Yep. And I actually met one of the members and it was, he was watching it too, which was kind of funny because he actually got to go to the Commonwealth Games this past year. Okay. I was like, I knew Cameron before he was famous. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, um, and then I got involved in the club and, and I got I got really involved actually in the in the Northern Ireland weightlifting community. I ended up going with a couple of the the people, and we would do we do clinics. So I'd go and help coach at different um, CrossFits usually. Yeah, and um, really helped uh, with that with the kids at our club in the in the mornings on Saturdays, and then we had them one other evening I think too maybe I think they trained twice a week. Um, but I just loved it. I just really loved the community, um, hung out with my coach and his wife and then they had a baby, got to go hang out with them and the baby. And, um, so they kind of became your new community to hang out with, mm-hmm. so to speak. Were you still playing football then? Or? I was. Yeah. Okay. So you were um, still doing that a couple nights a week. Yep. Um, so that, that was really challenging trying to play soccer and do weightlifting at the same time. Um, the weightlifting definitely made me a better soccer player. Oh yeah. Um, my coach even commented on it. He's like, you're a lot more f- explosive. Yeah. You know, he's off the blocks. You're, you're a lot faster. It's amazing what strength training will do <laughs> to your sports. You're a lot stronger in the air. You know, if you're battling for a ball or something, I was, uh, it, it, it definitely helped. Um, but that being said, balancing the training, I mean, it was hard. I hate to say it. You almost have to kind of give up some of your training for football and focus on your weightlifting and fall back on your experience. And then hopefully the, the training will help supplement some of your skills. You just have to prioritize. Which one do you want to be better at? Okay. You know? Yeah, like, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. Because you can do both, but you have to pick one that's going to be top. And then I kind of went back and forth. And at some points I was like, okay. Well, it sounded like you're more into the weightlifting than... There were football, but you're back and forth still. I, I was still back and forth. There was there were times I was like more focused on the weightlifting, and I was just kind of like, you know, like I'm staying on the team because you need players on the team, and I still really enjoy my time down there, but I'm not as driven to do that. Okay. And then um, the the soccer team ended up kind of going up through the ranks in the leagues. We were trying to get promotions, and so there's like there were six different leagues, I think. Okay. Something like that. Or five, maybe. Anyway, we were we, we were moving our way up, and so then, you know, there's a little bit more excitement as far as like we're pushing for promotion, and um, so then it kind of drifted back toward more toward the football for a little bit, and uh, but yeah, was was pretty involved in in both areas. So very it, cool. And then, um, well, I would I would come back to the states every once in a while. 
I had to get a visa or visit my family or whatever. And how often was that? Um, it depended on the on the year, and if I had to do fundraising or if I had to, it just depended on what I needed to go back for. If I was just visiting or if I needed to do paperwork or different things. So there were times I was I was away for an entire year, and then there were times where I I came back twice in one year. Okay. Um, but at one of those points, I was like, I was lifting regularly and wanted to to be able to train when I got home and so I just kind of googled and was like I wonder if there's any weightlifting places around found this place called rubber city weightlifting messaged this guy called Matt <laughs> <laughs> he's like yeah you should come down and train I was like okay <laughs> so that's how I and we were up. at our place in Akron mm-hmm. so for you it wasn't too bad because like your parents live in that area oh my gosh it was like 12 minutes down the road yeah so if I hit red lights yeah so super um, convenient super convenient and we had a nice little club going we had our own space we had gotten kicked out of a space that we were in before where we were renting from a a guy who had the building set up in like two different places. I don't think you ever lived no, there. No, I didn't live there. So there was like there was like a back to it, and there was a front to it. the front was like a storefront. The back was like a little mm-hmm. garage kind of area. Yeah. And we were in the garage. We were lifting out of there, and and the uh, landlord came to Dan one day and said, "Hey, I'm renting this place out. They want both spots. I'm sorry, you're getting kicked out because I can make a lot more money by renting out both spots than just the back." Yeah. You know, to you. So so we found our own place up in Akron because he was trying to get people. I think from. Um, it's from Akron University to yeah. come live with us, maybe ex-football players Makes or athletes sense. or stuff like that. It was kind of his idea, get get close to the university so we can get some draw from them. But it never really worked out that way because we just didn't go out market ourselves too much. But yeah, yeah but you came on when we were lifting there and you were kind of back and forth between obviously going back to Ireland and lifting with us. But you still had a place to train when you came home, which mm-hmm. is nice because we're like we are a good club with a bunch of good kids and most of them are beginners but we still got some decent lifters there and dan's a hell of a good coach so yeah you go from good coaching over there to good coaching here and so you're not really struggling so much to just maybe lift on your own or go to a rec center and try to make do the best you can yeah of all the places i could have landed when i I came back was that was perfect yeah really um yeah so kept that that going whenever i was was back stateside and um so I ended up staying, yeah, I obviously started with an internship in Northern Ireland, stayed there for about five years altogether when you added it all up between going back and forth and whatever. And um, it was a great experience, really loved working for the organization, felt like they were doing a lot of really great work. Um, but it's actually harder than you think to move permanently to another country. Um, Just because so, of all the paperwork, paperwork and bureaucracy yeah. and everything mm-hmm. else? Yeah. So um, by the time it was kind of, I guess, my fourth year, I was probably there. I was I was seriously looking at trying to, you know, could I get dual citizenship? Could I stay on? Um, what were some ways that I could maybe make this more permanent? Because I, it, it was... I, it really felt like home by that point, like okay. pretty much after my third year. So you wanted to live there I full time. I did. I did. And um, so started looking into some stuff. And because, which is kind of a little bit interesting now because of Brexit, but this was before Brexit, which is um, when Britain exited the EU. Okay. Um, they're part of the EU and, or that whole vote and everything. They're part of the EU. So that meant that anyone in the European Union could come and live and work in Great Britain. Now, they have great um, 
like social care as far as like health care free health care and well, it's um, not free somebody's and, paying for that uh, yeah some say they pay high taxes over there. Uh-huh. oh my gosh um somebody's paying for it but um you know we had a there were a lot of polish and portuguese immigrants um people from other countries that maybe didn't have the same infrastructure and were looking for better quality of absolutely life. i mean i mean to think of how blessed we are just to be born in the country we were born in and some of the opportunities you've had just because you were here. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you were just born over there, you'd just been some poor peasant, essentially, just hustling, doing whatever it took to try to, you know, s- support your family, even yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd jump on that in a heartbeat. Yeah. So, they've they've had a lot of immigration, which is great in a lot of ways, um, but has made it a little bit harder um, as far as employment for yeah. na- national Northern Irish people. Because they don't want to do those crappy jobs. then. All the immigrants are just happy to be doing something. Yeah. I'll do anything. Yeah. Like, get me out of this hellhole, please. <laughs> so um, because of of some of that and other issues, they've they've really limited uh, the number of work visas that they give out. Okay. Because they can't limit it for European citizens. They could only limit it for people outside of Europe as far as moving in permanently or even semi-permanently, you know. Um, so after doing a lot of research, we realized that there was really no way I could get a work visa to live there. To full live time. there, and since um, I well, I did have. I, I should give a shout out to Caleb. He did say he would marry me to get me a green card. <laughs> um, I don't think that's a great reason to marry but... somebody. Maybe that's just the hopeless romantic in myself. <laughs> You're supposed to marry for love and not for money and all these other kind of things. Yes. Citizenship. Yes. So um, yeah, turned turned him down. And, uh, yeah, I was like, I'm not. No, were, were you two dating? Or no, no, was, no, no. Was he just offering to be a good he friend was, and he was just kind of joking? It was joking. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Caleb was actually a member of the weightlifting club. So. Uh, well, shout out to you, Caleb. <laughs> yeah. Trying to take one for the team. But, um, but yeah, I, I, after looking through different things, we were like, no, this is. It's just not going to work It's out. not going to work. Um, I'd been having troubles getting the visas I was getting anyway as a charity worker. Were you home more often then because of that? Um, Yes. It used to be that you could get a two-year visa, and then they dropped it down to just one year at a time. Um, You said there was a couple times you have to come home twice in a year to... um, That was usually more for other reasons than necessarily the visa. Fundraising kind of stuff. Okay. Um, So all that to be said, I was like, okay, I, I think I need to think about moving on like this is not it's it's, it's not literally out not to possible. do what you want to do yeah. so you've got to kind of change directions here and decide what what other avenues you're going to take mm-hmm. yeah so um decided i was going to move back to the states and so that was two that'll be two years ago um in august this year so I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, wrapping things up over there, was blessed to be able to have some time at the end where I wasn't working and I was just able to spend some time with friends and hang out and, um, you know, kind of put closure on a, a, a hard and difficult and growing and amazing five years over there. Yeah. Um, so I kept inviting everyone. I was like, come visit. Anytime you want to. Um, I was like, I won't be here very long. (laughs) (laughs) So went, um, ended up moving back and um, it was great. The next day I I was back at Rubber City Weightlifting. And honestly, I think that helped the the counter culture shock a little bit. Just Just having a club to 
kind of fall back on. You already kind of knew people. Mm -hmm. You had somewhere to go, activities to do that you were already involved in no matter what. Yeah. So So. even though I didn't have a a, a job to go back to necessarily or um, I was living with my parents at the time. It was something familiar to fall back on. Yeah. 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 And it added some structure to my life and um, some, you know, some kind of support group. We normally do well with structure and support. So. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Humans tend to (laughs) crave that. Yes. Yeah, um, so moved back, yeah, just about two years ago and got even more involved in weightlifting because by it's like moved back, decided not to try to take up soccer while I was over here. Um, felt like I finished well over in Ireland and wasn't well, going to have the you same. You were essentially as good as you were ever going to get. Yeah, and I wasn't going to have the same opportunities to train or to practice or to play at the level. No, because the clubs like it. that around here is just, it's like any kind of beer league yeah. sports is like you show up once a week and you play and you don't practice there's no managers no nothing you just show up you go play the match and go off to the bar and yeah. have a beer I mean, yeah and i really enjoy um helping other people develop as well as like developing in and of myself so it, the idea of like just going and playing and not getting any better i think would have been frustrating for me okay whereas getting plugged into rubber city weightlifting loads of opportunities to improve there and continue to invest in in other people as well as myself and and develop as a lifter okay so so since being home you've since gotten your usaw level one certification Mm -hmm. so you're certified to coach in in the u.s and not just ireland (laughs) so you're you're coaching now right Mm -hmm. so where are you coaching i coach at crossfit intent in fairlawn so we have specific Olympic weightlifting classes that I coach, and I also coach uh, some regular CrossFit classes, and then do a lot of personal training. So, uh, shout out to Pam, who's going to the games this year. She's a master's athlete. CrossFit games. Right? CrossFit games. Which will be happening uh, in early July, I think, right? Early August, actually. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That was July sport. Yeah, no, it's it's it seems like it because it's that hot in California, but um, it's actually back in it's in Madison, Wisconsin this year. It was there last year as well, and it's the first through the fourth of August. Okay, cool. So, yeah, was she one of the, your clients you work with for weightlifting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and she was that was actually the reason she came to um, CrossFit Intent. She was looking to improve her her weightlifting game essentially, and I think that's what a a lot of people have appreciated not even necessarily from the competitive standpoint but just even for their workouts or for their own safety and yeah and strength um has been the the change in focus just having a specific olympic weightlifting class been able to take some more time and look at the lifts and um help them improve so and you also do some coaching at our club because we've got you know usually a lot of new lifters coming in and out of the door it's just it's, it seems like there's always a revolving door at the club it's, <laughs> I mean, so some people come in, they spend a couple months, they realize this is this is hard. <laughs> I don't want to do hard. this. So there's always new people coming in. So it's always good to have some extra hands helping Dan do some coaching. Mm-hmm. As they normally come in the times everybody else comes in and, and he's busy coaching the rest of us. We so can't put as much energy into him as he needs to. So sometimes, you know, it helps to have some, some help around the gym. So you definitely do some coaching there. Yep. I know he was talking about hopefully getting you some like actual like one-on-one clients to work with. But I don't know if anything's happened with that or not. I haven't talked to him or you about not, that. Not yet. Um, I'm just mainly kind of soaking it up there. You know, it's great to be able to coach kind of alongside Dan and yeah. just even observe him coaching. So, well, he is one of the best coaches in the country. Yeah. So, I mean, so he, he hates it when I say that, but it's true. <laughs> 
and you know, there's a lot to be learned. And mm-hmm. I, I know that he's giving you like a lot of books and stuff to, to yeah. read about programming. You guys always have conversations, I think. And He tr- he tries to let me in as much on the, the backside of things as he can. So we met up and talked about like his thoughts behind the programming we're doing now. Um, you know, he'll have he'll have me work with, like you said, some of the newer lifters or, or I'll just literally like watch someone in the club as they're lifting and wait to see what Dan says, which is what I ran through in my head. <laughs> and to see if that's all making sense for you. Mm-hmm, if you're yeah. seeing the same thing that he's seeing. Yeah. Which is good because you always have, having a second set of eyes looking at a lifter is always a good thing because yeah. you the, notice different things. And the number of lifts that he has watched, the number of things he can see in lifts is just still incredible. Like my eye has developed a lot in the past three four years but not to the same level of stuff he sees well, you don't have 20 years of experience no i can't make that up in four <laughs> coached years. former olympians and <laughs> numerous national level lifters that he's you know turned out from nothing i mean just yeah just beginners who come in and he just you know takes them all the way i mean it's so it's it's yeah it's kind of a fun club to be a part of that's for sure and i, and I know that he and i've had some interesting conversations about you specifically so he's he's very excited to see where your coaching career kind of goes because he sees a a lot of potential in in you and it but it all depends on what you want out of it as well and how much you want to put into it because you know you could go as far as you wanted to that's for sure yeah and that and that's been really encouraging to me just in kind of the career choice that I've made so far and and what I'd like to do I would love to get um, involved with more youth lifters I'd love to be able to coach like junior and youth lifters up to you know international level well that's kind of what you um, wanted to do more of going to school as well kind of working with working with younger, younger people, people in general yeah. so yeah um love working with kids I, I spent a little bit of time when i first moved back um teaching pe and then we just started a kids class at our crossfit gym so i'm trying to get a little bit more of that kids coaching in and um the great thing with the crossfit is they don't even know they're learning olympic weightlifting they're all doing snatches with pvc pipes um but it's it's a great experience for me, a lot of fun for them, and um, they're learning movement patterns. Yeah, and, no, it's, uh, it's stuff that if they stick with it, it'll be you know, hugely beneficial later in life. But mm-hmm. as we all know, it's it's a tough sport, and most people don't stick with it because so tough. it's tough to go into the gym and knowing you're going to do the same thing you did the last six months of training. Yeah. What are you doing today? Uh, snatch, clean and jerk, squat. Yeah. Did or you, when I asked Dan on, on Thursday night, I think it was, I was like, so how many days are my hamstrings going to be sore? Six weeks. <laughs> He's like, uh, every day. Yes. If yeah. they're not, we're doing something wrong. We need yeah. to work harder. So yeah, come yeah. tell me these things. <laughs> <laughs> Put those hamstrings will pop out. Okay, Dan. All right. I'll do my best. <laughs> so, so the coaching is something you do full time right now. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, I guess, what are your kind of aspirations to do maybe in the next like, couple of years? You're looking to, like you said, like grow more of the youth stuff and do more with them or like do the more CrossFit stuff or weightlifting or what are you looking to get into? Uh, I mean, ultimately, I would like to develop a, a youth and junior weightlifting club. That's probably a few more years down the road. Most likely. Um, but that's okay. We'll, we'll keep building the kids program right now that, that we just started this year. And then um, I do really enjoy coaching just even – kind of general people off the street i i like seeing people develop from the you know 68 year old client that i work with on a bi-weekly basis or the you know crossfit games athlete that i get to work on really you know little details and increased and i can't talk uh <laughs> one of the intricacies that was the word i was looking for of um technique yeah uh 
So you can really break things down and then rebuild it and um, pick out little tiny changes. That yeah, are which is which difference. is the fun thing of coaching. But as as you and I both know, when you're coaching, it's a lot less about you and much more about the athlete. So I think that's what coaches get excited about is mm-hmm. the, the athletes get excited. And then you kind of get wrapped up in their vision because it can't be yours. Because if it's yep. yours, they'll never follow through with it. It'll be like all these kids who play these sports year round because their parents want them to. Because, oh, you're going to go to college and you're going to do this. You're going to play baseball. You're going to play football or soccer or volleyball or whatever it is. And they just they have them play all year round and travel this and do this and the kids is like, this isn't what I want to do. I'm I'm done. By the time I get to high yeah. school, like I'm over it. I want to have friends and have a life. Like, yeah. But if it's the kid's dream, the parents can help them get there. Mm-hmm. The same as like, yeah, that's, that's what you do as a coach is you help them get their goals, which is so rewarding because, you know, it's even if you've done all the things you're going to do in your life as an athlete, you can still live through other people's achievements because they'll mean more to you than what you accomplished because you'll just invest so much in other people as a coach. You're, you're joining you, them on their journey. Just, <laughs> for people know. who've never done it, you can't explain it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I mean, I've pretty much done all I can do as an athlete and I'm never really going to get a whole lot better than I am now. It kind of is what it is. And it's <laughs> like, I, I've got potential still. There's still some stuff left in there, but essentially it's like, no, this is kind of it, and it's it's no big deal, and I'm I'm okay with that. I've mm-hmm. I've done all that, but and now it's more about what can you do for other people, and what can you invest in others, and it's a lot more fun to watch them win, yeah. And then for yeah. you to oh hit some big total that you've been shooting for for a couple of years. Well, yeah, it's great, and it's it's great on the day, and it's fun, but it's like watching somebody else who you've watched struggle and deal with problems in their lives and get things figured out and work and put their head down and get frustrated and almost quit and then come back and keep going. And it's just, it's so rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. And, and coming to, I mean, you've experienced this too, but coming to the sport a little bit later, you have to be realistic about your expectations as far as how competitive you're going to be. Yeah. Um, I always tell people like, I can't keep up with these 21 year old shitheads. I'm 34, almost 35. Like, I'm lifting for Masters now. I, I don't recover the same way. <laughs> no. I've I had, really don't. I've had numerous what I thought were career-ending injuries, and it's like, eh, there's at least so much you can come back from that. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of is what it is, but. Yeah. Um, but just knowing, you know, how much I've gleaned from the sport and, and realizing what kind of impact, you know, weightlifting can have on other people's lives. And um, especially, I feel like, for for girls and young women, you know, getting rid of this stigma that lifting weights is going to make you bulky or manly (laughs) or ugly, you know, it's like, Oh my gosh, don't even go there, please. Um, like that's been a huge frustration for people. I mean, I have people walk into the gym all the time and it's like, they want to get ready for their wedding, but I don't want, I just want to tone. Yeah. I don't want to lift weights because I'm going to get bulky and huge. I'm going to have jacked arms and legs and look like a dude. And It's like, I'm not giving you drugs. Are you going to get drugs somewhere else? If you're going to get drugs somewhere else, I don't want you in my gym. But uh, if you you just do what I tell you, you won't get bulky. Um, (laughs) And, you know, like I've gained... I've gained a lot of a lot more self confidence from weightlifting than doing any other physical activity I've done my entire life. Um, I've Dan put us on this this horrible training cycle at LSUS. By horrible, you, you mean wonderful? Amazing, amazing! It actually changed my body. Um, but huh. yes, heavy you mean lifting, heavy things. 
<laughs> like changed your body? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was I was eating more than I probably had in my life before and squatting my butt off. Actually, not off, but making it bigger. Um, <laughs> that's the idea of squatting. That's the idea. And um, yeah, just feeling a lot more um, happy with my body composition. I, I, I lost and gained weight on that cycle and that I probably ended up about the same weight that I started with, but it was a lot healthier weight than... So you lost fat, mm-hmm. gained muscle, mm-hmm. change yep. your body composition. Mm-hmm. Now, do all of your women clients think that you look like a dude and you're super jacked and they don't want to look like you because they don't want to lift weights? Not that they've said to my face. Huh. So, yeah. It's amazing how that works. So somebody who doesn't take steroids and just lift heavy weights, they mean they're not going to look like a guy? Yeah, and I don't spend hours on a treadmill either. That's crazy. It's pretty huh. crazy. So so you've changed your whole body. You've lost fat. You've gained muscle. You, you have much more of a, dare I say it, womanly figure than mm-hmm. you did before. And... You didn't do that by just running on the treadmill and eating like, you know, broccoli and lettuce and, <laughs> and no chicken because I oh, know it's too much, too many calories, too much protein. Mm, yeah. I mean, you actually did it by eating more food and just squatting heavy weights and mm-hmm. lifting heavy in the gym. Huh. Interesting thought. That's pretty crazy. No, I, 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 uh, I, I tell women this all the time who come to me with the same kind of problems. Like, I don't want to get bulky. And like, oh, gosh, if you just train like a power lifter, like you're not going to get bulky. Yeah. You're actually going to tone up. And you're going to look a lot better. And you're <laughs> going to lose weight around your midsection. You're going to add it to, to your legs and your butt. So, yeah, your legs and your butt are going to get bigger. That's what happens with strength training. That's where muscle goes. So this is a good thing, though. Got, good. Guys like that. Yeah. <laughs> women like it, too, because there's a bunch of women that go out there and they get liposuctioned like fake asses nowadays. Like, this uh, is ridiculous. Like Just squat. Yes. Earn it from squats. Damn it. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. I, t- I tell people this all the time. It's like, okay, here, let's, let's think about this for a second. There's a bunch of guys who go to the gym and they want to get jacked and look huge and have huge muscles and big pecs and arms and all they don't really train legs let's be honest they don't really squat they should but they they train the muscles they can see their chest their arms their their shoulders not even so much their back because they can't really see their back but they're trying to get huge they're going to gnc and getting supplements and all kinds of crazy things they can do like to just they're borderline illegal most of them probably get flagged by usada like an hour sport it's Mm -hmm. actually drug tested and if like if you hear of a supplement that actually works and it's new, chances are it's got some steroids in it. So if you want to get huge, go take that supplement until they ban it because they're going to ban it soon. Don't you worry. If it works, they're going to ban it <laughs> because there's roids in there. <laughs> but like they're actually trying to get huge and most of them can't. Mm-hmm. So uh, women, I'm sorry to say you're not going to do it by accident. Exactly. Sorry. So listen to Caitlin. <laughs> get your ass under a barbell. Do some heavy squatting. Do some deadlifts. Do some rows. Work on those shoulders. You'll thank me later. Do some overhead presses to tighten up those delts. And you you will definitely appreciate how your body looks. You will not look like a guy. It's going to be great. And guys are going to really appreciate how you look. I promise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, unless you look stronger than them. Now, that might be a problem for some guys. Then you just need to go find a different guy. There would be the solution to that one. <laughs> now, if you're into these like nerdy, skinny, hipster-looking dudes that have like no asses and no arms, like their forearms, same size as their bicep, hey, that's cool. If that's what you're into, light it up. N- no big deal. But... If you want any kind of normal-looking dude who's athletic or what have you, they're going to really appreciate you lifting some weights and getting off the damn treadmill. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. But nonetheless, 
I'll tell you what, I think this is actually a really good place to kind of wrap up this first talk. This has been a lot of fun. I hope you uh, you had fun as well. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Good. So uh, where is a place that people can go kind of find out like more about you and like, who you are and what you do? Uh, well, I do have an Instagram channel at uh, Kateleo Lifts. Uh, so it's K-A-T-E-L-E-O-L-I-F-T-S. Okay. Now, do you post stuff on there from work or just your lifting or what's all that about? A little bit of everything. Okay. Um, so a little bit about my faith. So I often post a, a Bible verse or two or some kind of inspirational quote. Um, I post a lot of my training videos up there, lifts from meets. So I post my own training videos. And then I usually try to highlight um, some of my clients as well. Um, so so really a good mix of kind of everything, just kind of what yeah. makes you, you. Yeah. So my, my faith, my my fun stuff, my lifting, and then, yeah, what a, what I love to do is, you know, investing in other people's lives and, and watching them grow. So awesome. highlighting that too. And what's the uh, the gym you work out in if they're in the Northeast Ohio area and they want to come uh, work out with you or lift with you? Um, well, if you don't want to do Olympic weightlifting with Dan in North Can, obviously. Which is it? Robert City Weightlifting, obviously. Robert City Weightlifting. If you're a little bit further north and west, um, so West Akron, Fairlawn area, it's CrossFit Intent. And uh, we're right off 77. It's awesome. If you want to pop in for a drop in, uh, either weightlifting or CrossFit, we'd love to have you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. We will definitely have to do this again. All right. Thank you, Matt. All right. We'll see you guys next time. All right. Another great conversation. I enjoyed the heck out of that. That was a lot of fun getting to know Caitlin because I've heard a little bit of her story here and there, but it was fun to just sit down and kind of get all of it out in the open and hear all about what she's been through because obviously she's been through a lot more than most people probably ever have. I know that more than I have because I've never been out of the, the country. So it's really cool that she had lived over in Ireland for a few years and gotten out of her comfort zone and did a bunch of great things that she was probably, you know, maybe afraid to do, but she did them anyway. And there's lots of lessons that I think that we can all take from that. When, when you see something that you want, go for it. If things don't work out, they don't work out. So what? At least you gave it a shot. That's, that's something that we all can definitely learn from. All right, so we will definitely have Caitlin back on the podcast again. That was a lot of fun. We're definitely going to talk more about coaching and lifting and things with her and just picking her brain, and we're going to have a lot of fun with that. It's going to be, it's going to be a good time. Now, for those of you still listening, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys. This has been so much fun. I'm, I'm just I'm having a blast, having a good time. Hopefully, you guys are too. Let's get this show out to new people. All right, and to do that, I need you guys' help. We need to go out to iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean. Please leave me some five-star reviews. Those reviews are going to definitely help new people find the show. So hopefully we can get it out there for new people to be checking out and we can get this bad boy going viral. I've got some other podcasts lined up for you guys that you're really going to enjoy and I am looking forward to. And we just need to make everyone's schedules kind of work out because... Unfortunately, it's been a little difficult here recently with the holidays and everything else going on. Summer starting, everybody's super busy. So hang with me. We got some good ones coming up, I promise. So we will see you guys next time on Uncensored Humanity.